what meatloaf will tell you that is bad hey you guys want to get started okay i'm lee madonna i'm josh alvarez and welcome to episode 46 of cinepunks cinepunks today we have mr frank pavich am i saying your last name right they you could say pavich you can say pavich Mr. Frank Pavich, or Frank, as we're going to call him from now on. <laughs> we, it is weird that he insisted we call him Mr. Pavich. That yeah, was strange. It was weird, in. but you know. I'm, I'm, I'm not insisting. I just prefer it. I just prefer a little bit of respect. I don't, it was on the rider, just fine. so you know. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> All the along, green along, M&Ms. Along with the coffee and water. Coffee, <laughs> water, Mr. Pavich, done. Before we get started, I would first like to say thank you to our friend Grace who uh, has graciously allowed us to the use of her apartment. We're, we're in her apartment, and it's actually really awesome. Yeah, this is actually the first episode of Cinepunks that is not done within the city limits of Philadelphia. Oh, my God, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Shit. I know. We need it to feels get out. weird to me, too, we, man. We need to get out more. No, that's not true. That's not true. We did it. Remember the episode I did at Fantastic Fest? With Joe Goldman. Oh, no. At Fantastic is, yeah. Fest. Yeah. There you go. You did I did a random one. episode of Fantastic Fest. Right. In Texas. In Austin. Yeah. So I've, I've gone like three years in a row to Fantastic. I have a lot of friends in, 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 in fact, Austin. we both, no, you didn't write for them, but I, I have a friend who has a film website in uh well he runs it's not in austin because it's on the fucking internet but he he is in austin is this guy i went to college with and he runs this website called synapse that's like c-i-n-a-p-s-e dot c-o mm-hmm. and I wrote, I wrote one article for them did you write for them once i wrote the one review of uh cool disco dan oh that's right you did yeah it was yeah. awesome oh. great movie i've never seen that but oh. I, I did want to see that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so good and I, I i was writing for them pretty regularly but then we started hosting writing on cinepunks which doesn't mean i've started writing for cinepunks <laughs> but i'm doing so much editing of other people's writing for cinepunks that i have not been writing my own stuff for them or for our own website it's a thankless job <laughs> i mean uh, it's fine <laughs> 
It is what it is. It's fine. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so today we are talking to Frank, who is the director of the New York Hardcore Documentary, as well as Jodorowsky's Dune. Yeah. It's, so, it's funny because I feel like people are going to... Uh, there's, there's a small group of people like us who are completely familiar with both movies. Yeah. Some people, are, I think, are going to be like, oh, the New York, the New York Hardcore, Hardcore Documentary. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And some people are going to be like, Jodorowsky's Dune is awesome. Yeah. And the people in the middle is probably like... 20 people <laughs> the venn diagram of yeah. who's gonna listen to this well let's keep in mind we're talking about people who listen to our show so yeah tw- that's like 20 of the 300 people is actually a pretty good percentage <laughs> not bad justin yeah, harlan yeah. Our, our main fan is a man named justin harlan who probably has seen both maybe no justin harlan doesn't like real hardcore oh he likes ska yeah he likes ska that's okay i like ska yeah, you do. But anyway, moving on. Hey, Frank, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. And thank you, Grace, for, uh, for allowing us to uh, infiltrate your home and for giving us coffee and water and everything good. I feel like this is, it's funny, we were just discussing Howard Stern, and I like want to be like Howard Stern right now and just like describe where we are, <laughs> because you can't see it in, on the podcast, yeah. obviously. All you need to know is, there's a Christmas tree here. There is a Christmas tree, and there's also Queen Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And an older, it's a later Queen Elizabeth. We didn't go with the classic. It's a current day. Yeah, it's definitely a recent historical, not historical, a recent. So um, I guess we get started with whacking on track. Now, usually we let the guests go first, but um, we didn't prepare you at all. We should have sent you something that said like, hey, we start off the episode talking about this, but we didn't do that. Do so. you have anything in mind that you've been stoked on lately? I mean, new records, new shows, new movies, whatever. Well, what I've been talking about most is um, I watched Cartel Land. Oh, I've been, I want to watch it so bad. Oh, man. I have it's, no idea what it is. Tell me what it Cartel is. Cartel Land is a documentary which has been nominated for an Oscar this year. Um, and it's not going to win because it's just too no, good. It's going to no. go to something Well, shitty, of But course. here's the thing. Would you take that over The Look of Silence? I didn't see The Look okay. of Silence. Uh, okay. Well, I didn't um, see The Look of Silence, but I saw the one before it. What was the one before it? The Act of the Killing. The Act of Killing. And that thing, did you see that? I saw that. That was mind-numbing. This, this Cartel Land, it's all about you know cartels in... Sure. In, uh, in a land, in Mexico. In, oh, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in Juarez. Mexico. No, in is it Michoacan? Is that oh, what sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Um, I've got. I hope I said that somewhat <laughs> close to correctly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's. I mean, it's insane. I mean, this guy put himself literally in the line of fire. There's like shootouts, and they're like running for their lives. Yeah. And it's basically following. Um, groups of vigilantes who are taking back towns. Yes, yes, I remember this documentary. And then, this, uh, as it goes now. on, it's just you realize that nobody is innocent and everybody is corrupt in their own way. And it's just a terrifying, really visceral experience. It's just upbeat, very yeah, really heart- upbeat. Yeah, really. <laughs> at the end, you at the, at the end, you really felt that everything's going to be okay. <laughs> can I can I be real? Do, what what else is nominated right now? I don't want to take us too off topic, but what else is nominated for documentary? The Amy Winehouse documentary oh is that good i didn't see that it's called amy it's okay i don't care i didn't see it because i don't care about amy winehouse but yeah his last movie is amazing if you saw senna oh senna's awesome like that's like one of the greatest things yeah totally this was fine okay there's the nina simone oh liam loves that i love that documentary but i wasn't a big fan really yeah is it because you don't like nina simone i'll kill you i didn't really know much about her actually (laughs) oh okay to be honest i (laughs) really kind of went into it Hoping to learn, and I did learn, but it just felt very straight. 
Right. It was, it was like a like a Wikipedia article. Oh. You know, then this happened, then this happened in her life, and it's just kind of like. Well, I will. I mean, here's the thing. I, I haven't seen Cartel Land, but I hear great things about right. it. The only other one I know that is nominated that I've seen is The Look of Silence. And, and it's good. You like that. As much as I love Nina Simone, and so I appreciate the documentary. This is the thing with me in documentaries sometimes. Um, and this is probably also true of some historical films, but mm-hmm. it's more often with documentaries. Sometimes the quality of the subject will distract me from the actual technique of the filmmaking. So, for example, uh, the Mekons doc. Do you either when you see the Mekons doc? No. There's a documentary about the band, the Mekons. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Aren't there like 30 people in that band? In yeah, 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 yeah. And the story actually is really interesting, and I want to know about the band. Right. But when I later on really sat and thought about the... The actual movie of it? It right. wasn't that great. But but I was so... It, so similarly right. with the Nina Simone documentary, I don't think the movie made... The, the skill of making that film is that great. I think I just find Nina Simone compelling. Right. The look of silence is, I think, brilliant. Is like, I think it's really... Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's... Uh, Do you like I, it more or less than the first one? I think uh, I like it a lot more. A, a lot, lot more. more? A lot more. No Ooh. shit. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I think the thing about the act of killing is similarly, I don't think it's, I think it actually is very skillfully made, but it's the other direction. It's so much. Yeah. I think the act of killing is one of the angriest movies I've ever watched in my life. Mm-hmm. I think it's a film that every part of that film that's like awkwardly funny is the kind of funny that you laugh because you're so mad that you want to fucking kill someone. That's what that movie feels like. It feels like, you ever see that? Like a guy who's so mad that he's kind of like, Maybe not laughing, but he's like smiling because he's like, oh, how could I kill everybody? <laughs> yeah. That's how that movie feels to me. Like the right. act of killing feels like one crazy smile. It, is Cartel Land an actual one movie or is it like a series? Or? No, it's, 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 it's a one it's, feature. It's, a, it's one feature, but it's, it's an, it was released by Netflix, so it's kind of confused with they've got another Narcos series. Uh, Maybe it's called... Yeah, it's Narcos. called Narcos. It's yeah. called Narcos. Right. So people get the two confused, but but Cartel Land is just its own... Wow. Did, and Netflix standalone. did it? It was produced by Netflix? I, I don't know if it was produced by them or just bought by them. Uh, I think it was bought by them. But okay. Now, here's the thing. Did it have a theatrical release as well as the Netflix release? Well, it, you know, in order to be nominated for an Oscar, you have to. Right. But... But it can be very limited. It can be literally just one week in New York, one week in, uh, in L.A. So maybe it was that... Um, what do you, really what do you think of this Netflix thing as far as like them releasing films into theaters? Like, I don't know what to make of that as a phenomenon. I mean, I think it's good because, you know, I, I, you know, Netflix is, they're doing interesting things. I think they're sure. picking mm-hmm. up interesting things. And I think the more people that can see this stuff, the better. And the, and the more people maybe take things more seriously if they're in theaters. Yeah, um, that's fair. So that's, you know, but then, then on the flip side, I feel like Netflix is kind of almost destroying documentaries to a certain extent because there's so goddamn many yeah. of them, and you know, yeah. 98% of them are the worst pieces of shit. <laughs> you know, like dopey yeah. topics, and like you know, yeah. I'm going out on a date, and you know, I'm you know, look at me on Facebook. Did or whatever you see? These did you are. see the speaking of dopey topics? I think this was a Netflix. Maybe it wasn't, but I thought it was a Netflix one. The General So's documentary. Yeah, I saw that thing. Ugh. But General So's. It's chicken. about General So's chicken. See, see, those are the topics I want to kill myself about. <laughs> what, what, so I made a movie about that? What's so funny about it is I watched it and I was like, this should have been a half hour special on yeah. someone's show. Uh, but it did make me be like, yo, that one restaurant in Taiwan that actually invent- invented General, I want to go there. <laughs> I want to go there and have that chicken. So it was somewhat effective, but they really took this topic to stretch it out over a feature like Yeah, like, and, and then like, here is General and I'm like, yo, it's not that interesting, yeah, man. Yeah, like, the whole time you're like, it's just not that deep, dog. <laughs> For real. 
<laughs> no, but I will say it deterred me from getting my General So's tattoo, which I wanted to get a picture of General So and then have a banner that said every borough, every city. God damn it. I know. It's hard, right? Wow. You're so the, hard. You are literally the worst. Dude. Or the best. You decide. Would that be someplace visible? Like, would that be like Maybe. on your neck hey, or like who the back knows? of your hand? Or, back yeah. of my hand would be so be, hard. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Don't I'm, get any back of your hand I tattoos. can't, man. I work in a hospital. <laughs> so I got to put on a shirt sometime and like pretend I know what I'm doing. And yeah, I'm not a right. goon. Yeah. All right. So, Cartolian, <laughs> was there anything else uh, you've seen or heard recently that was great? Or not if you want to take a shit on something. Oh. That is the whack end of the whack or the on track. I gotta think about it. I'm gonna let you. That's guys fine. Go. Let's I, go ahead. I gotta think about. So what we just recently recently. did this, but I feel like I could come up with some more. I don't know about you. Uh, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I want to see what what you can come up with. All right. So uh, just so you guys know, we we this is the first time ever we're recording the day after we recorded before. <laughs> so uh, it, you know, it's like, oh, have we done anything? But I didn't get to cover everything last time. Right. Um, and I talked about this a little bit on the last episode, but as you guys know, I am doing this uh eric roberts is the fucking man mm-hmm. you know so i want to reiterate um the stalked by my doctor <laughs> people need to see stalked by my doctor stalked by my doctor you did talk about it yesterday did though. i talk about that on yeah the but i i want you to talk about it again because it feels as though it deserves that much i just want to say check out the latest episode of eric roberts is the fucking man because we go into it and it's Oh god, that movie! So, and where I, can one see? So, this is yeah, what is I it don't streaming? Know. Is it a thing so, that's available? So, I don't know. This is why I think partly why it's on my mind is because I don't know how people can see it. I saw it because Doug Tilly has magical powers and he sent it to me. <laughs> but I'm not sure exactly how one checks it out otherwise. Right. So that's a little bit difficult. Um, as far as uh, it's other, a lifetime movie, so it's a lifetime. We did. We, I, I guess he's done. He's probably done a few lifetime movies, but we did a, a lifetime double feature. And the idea was we had, dude, just the words "lifetime double feature" makes my testicles ascend well, to my pelvic so, girdle. So basically, the person we had the on worst the person idea. we had on the show was a, a writer of romance fiction. What? And so it was like our Valentine's Day episode. No. Yeah. So she, and she was great on the episode. She was really smart Man. and funny and had stuff to say. But it was, you know, we watched two movies. The other movie was this uh, Eric Roberts and Haish film <laughs> called uh, Fatal Error, I think. Dude, do or I Fatal have Desire. The, I feel as though I have the feeling that Doug Tilly hates you instead of loves you. <laughs> no, he loves me. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, it was really bad. I mean, here's the thing. It's you assume he's seen these things. These were right. both things that were chosen from you know, Eric Roberts. It's 400 films in this filmography. Dude's done a million things. It's he out has. of control. Right. So, it's hard to choose. There was um, a time when I used to confuse him with the work of Michael Pere. Michael Pere. <laughs> oh, I could I could see that. Streets of Fire specifically. Yeah. Yeah, it was huh. like Eric Roberts or and, Michael uh, Perret. Eddie and the Cruisers. Eddie and the Cruisers. Sure. But, but Wonderful Streets movie. of Fire is really good, though. So is Eddie and the Cruisers. Yeah, that's fair. So, <laughs> I don't know what your I'm point sure is. he's got 398 more movies on that list. <laughs> no, that's true. No, that's very true. <laughs> the thing is, they think that they will never have run out of Eric Roberts movies. Yeah, we'll be doing this for the rest of our lives. Yeah, that's well, his contention. He probably makes several movies, you know. A year? A year. Well, he, uh, the announcements that because you know Doug Tilly does like the Eric Roberts news and and there's like you know announcements constantly. It's okay. The most famous filmmaker in what was it Nairobi maybe or uh-huh. uh, 
uh, Nigeria or something. I don't know. I'm bad at this. But there's right. a guy who's a famous African filmmaker. He loves that his movies are popular in Jamaica. So he's going to make a movie in Jamaica With because he loves Jamaicans. And then he's like, and you know, of course, very popular in Jamaica is Eric Roberts. So we we <laughs> cast Eric Roberts. And when he's reading this press release, I'm like, is that a thing that people know that Eric Roberts is popular in Jamaica? <laughs> he's huge in Jamaica. <laughs> no, Eric Roberts is about to be in a Czech sci-fi movie. No. Yeah. Does he speak Czech? I don't know. That's the thing. Like, oh. Eric Roberts is in a million things I was, all the time. I, I was in... My family's from Croatia. And I sure. was there last... I was there last summer. And there yeah. happened to be a film festival yeah. in the city. Um, and there oh. was an Eric Roberts movie in the film festival. I'm wrong. It's see. a Croatian movie. It's not a Czech movie. He, I had Czech on the, the brain. I, I, uh, but, but Olive... No, he has a new one coming new out that Croatia. hasn't started. Yeah, dude. Because I had check on the brain because the last episode we were talking about the check new wave. That's what the last yeah. episode was about. Right. Incidentally, our friend of the podcast Ivo Tomas is also from uh, Croatia, and he, I think, he has been to that film festival. Oh, really? It's, it's organized by some lady. I, I forget. We'll have to ask Evo later. I guess it's not important or pertinent to the conversation. No, now, you're killing it right now. Yeah, I'm but basically wherever you go dog. in the world, you can see an Eric <laughs> Roberts movie. On the I saw it in in a vineyard on top of a hill, outdoor screening of Eric Roberts. It was, crazy. it was directed by like his former personal assistant. That's crazy. So, My mind is you know, blown. So you need to become his. You need to get him on onto your. If you get him on well, the show, will Doug Tilly no, kill himself? No, so here's the thing. Doug doesn't... <laughs> you have nothing more to live for. Let's, <laughs> let's, be, let's be clear. Doug doesn't really want Eric Roberts <laughs> to know that Eric Roberts is the fucking man exists. Now, Eric Roberts does know it exists because he's retweeted it. Oh, my but, sweet baby but Jesus. But he's really hoping Eric Roberts doesn't listen to it. In fact, Eric, he always has to say, you're listening to Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the greatest Eric Roberts-themed podcast in the world not done by Eric Roberts because he has his own podcast. What? Does he really? Yeah. I don't know how often he puts it out there, but he has a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I have so much to learn. Dude, we are so, so far off the learn. tracks. We are so, so I'm far sorry. Off let's tracks. get let's get back. Let's get let's get back. So, um <laughs> back to the uh the whacking on track portion. Right. Um we talked about it a little bit here tonight and I did a little bit on the last show, but I, I really want to say like that judge show was Probably the like the highlight of 2016 so far for me. Wow. It was just really hype. Like, I was really surprised how much fun I had at that show. Um, but the other thing I didn't mention was the exhumed uh, Spanish horror triple feature. Did you go? Oh, you I did. Went. You did. Of I, I couldn't, couldn't make you it. Couldn't yeah. Go. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, what did I do? Did I do something awesome? No. Oh, it was your uh, it was your date anniversary. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, uh, exhumed films uh, since. I, I, most of our listeners probably know, but Frank doesn't know, so I get to do the thing. Exhumed Films is an organization out of the Philadelphia area, right? Um, that does thirty-five millimeter, thirty-five millimeter and sixty millimeter exclusively, mostly horror, though some other things as well. Yeah. They've been doing it now for nineteen years. Mm-hmm. Nineteen years just hosting events. So the other night they did a Spanish horror triple feature. A triple feature. So the, the Ghost Galleon, awesome, which is the third of the Blind Dead movies, right? Then a film, oh, what was that, what was that one good? Night of the Beast, I think. Yeah. It was an, a Nashy movie. It was like a werewolf drone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Nashy movie, a lot of them are werewolf right. drones. And then the last one was uh, House of Psychotic Women. Right. So, uh, I don't like, I forgot until I was watching Ghost Galleon. I don't really like the Blind Dead films. You don't films. like Tombs of the Blind Dead or any of those? Uh, they're all about the same, right? Where the skeletons yeah. move really slowly. That's and everyone it. just yeah. is like, 
and Ooh. then they're just like, yeah. yeah, and I'm not a big fan. It's like not. I was doing some space work for those of you listening to the podcast. You know. Some blind dead pantomime. Yeah, so that was not. That's not my favorite. Um, I, 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 and I feel like this is losing me horror cred because I think the blind dead movies are pretty huge. But yeah, I, and, well, and I'll go back and rewatch them. But watching, I was really excited. Like, oh, the third blind dead movie. I've never seen this, and I'm watching it, and I'm thinking. Wait, I don't think I like the other two Blind Dead movies. And this one is just a Blind Dead movie on a boat. Yeah. On a model boat that's like not <laughs> real in any way, shape, or form. Uh, then there was the werewolf movie. It was a national movie. People said it was great. Did you love it? Uh, I had a conversation with our boy Justin Miller instead of watching the movie. Ah. What's a Nashy? Uh, Paul, is it Paul's Paul Nashy? Yeah. Oh, he's the director? Or? Yeah. N- uh, no, I think he's the star. Is oh. he? I'll let me look it up, actually. Uh, see, this here's is one, one thing that you, you should know about the Cinepunks. We're never prepared with any type of uh, internet research. So uh, we've been I thought called you out. Just, no, I don't know. It's like a think, Nashy film. I guess that was the, I didn't know if that well, was the thing. Well, I mean, Nashy movies, I guess, I only know them because of Exhumed. Yeah, that's fair. So, I mean, when someone says a Nashy movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, that horror thing from Exhumed. Well, so let me talk about, so we don't have dead air, the uh, the last movie was a... Uh, um, uh, the House of Psychotic Women. Yeah. Now I went to. Do you guys know about that book, The House of Psychotic Women, by uh, Kirla Janice? No. I know she did a re- she did a recent Satanic Panic. Right. So this before. is yeah. this is the same person, and the first book that she's she did, great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like was this book uh, that House of Psychotic Women? It's just about women in like the specifically the uh, unhinged woman in horror, basically as like a horror trope. And so, uh, sh- I saw her, I forgot. So basically I'm watching House of psychotic women and parts of the movie is familiar to me. And I'm uh-huh. realizing it's from I, the satanic panic thing. No. Cause I went to an event she did about the book, the house of psychotic women. She showed oh, clips right, from the movie right, right. and I didn't remember that till I was watching it. I'm like, wait a minute. I know that that guy did it. Like I knew who the murderer yeah. was. I couldn't figure out how I knew. Cause I'm like, but parts of this movie are not familiar to me. And I realized I had gone to this event that where she presented basically about that movie specifically as a representation of, um, women in the woman heart. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Paul Nashi reigns supreme as the true king of Spanish horror cinema. Oh, I don't know what that means. Hold on. <laughs> so he is known as an actor, not as a director. Oh, it doesn't okay. look like. I'm looking right now. It's hard because I'm looking on my phone for those people <laughs> who are listening. Uh, he wrote a bunch too, but I don't see yet any directing. Oh, yeah. He did direct a bunch. He directed 15 movies. Is but that all? But he starred in 108 movies. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Auspicious numbering for our New York hardcore documentary. Exactly. <laughs> it, all, it all comes back around, see? You mean and, all, we're, and we're in the Bronx. Oh, man. I was going to say, I was, I was about to say, you mean it all comes back to Krishna is what you're trying to say right now. <laughs> it all comes back to, or Rama, depending on how you want to do it. Oh, man. Yeah, so he was, he's basically was a guy who was in a lot of those Spanish horror films. Right. Um, some of which are known for being particularly bad. But there are a lot of werewolf movies and things like that. But he's in the House of Psychotic Women as well. And the House, House of Psychotic Women was great. And it was mm-hmm. worth staying up. I was nervous because a triple feature that starts at nine. Yeah, you're going to be there till like five in the morning. I got an hour and a half drive home. It's crazy. But yeah. it was awesome event. We sold a t-shirt, so that's yeah. cool. Yeah. And, uh, oh, and we also did our giveaway with uh, Vinegar Syndrome. What's funny is we got busted on for that. Why did we get busted on well, for that? Well, because we gave away... Um, Nightmare Weekend. Well, so wait, we gave away Raw Force. So Dan uh-huh. was just saying, oh, we, you know, 
two Blu-ray giveaway, Raw Force, great movie, really good, and uh, Nightmare Weekend, which is a movie that exists. (laughs) (laughs) That movie, to to be fair, that movie is a booty. It is awesome. God awful. Good thing we gave it away as a way to promote our show then. Yeah. <laughs> well, I bought it from those dudes when I saw them at, in Boston. Did you watch it? Uh, yeah. It's so bad. I watched it on streaming, though. I didn't watch it on the uh, Blu-ray or anything. On the Exploitation TV. Yeah, charm. Exploitation.tv. And uh, yeah, no, that was a piece of shit. Sorry. It's real bad. Yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. Hey, huh? do you have any whacking on track? I don't. I got nothing, man. Okay. Um, I'm going to say, here's what's on track. Yeah. Me and Liam spent two hours in the car together, and I was singing <laughs> Teddy Pendergrass songs to him the whole time. The only problem with that was <laughs> the part where you put on a beat and were like, the road, oh, yeah. road trip game, you got a freestyle. I'm like, I I'm put not on, fucking freestyling on, right dude, now. Dude, I put on the beat at the end of Paid in Full to try and get Liam to freestyle for me. And it was, it was, dude, it was hyped. But then Liam was like, nah, nah, you're not going to get my, my, my tongue flip. And I'm like, yo, dog, come on, man. That's, dude, I don't that's do that. battle that's rhyme now. No, I'm not so never going to, it's literally never going to happen. So then by default, you lose and I'm superior rapper than you. If that's <laughs> rapper so, in the car. Best if, rapper in the car for sure. If the result is that I must admit that you have <laughs> superior rhyme skills, guess what? I'm already ready to make that. I'm already that ready concession to make that is already record. mine, huh? Yeah, totally. Fair enough. All right, did you think of anything else, especially on the whack end? No, because you guys are putting me in such a good mood that I can't. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so that makes me so happy. Dude, that's great. That's good, because usually the whacking on track, because we do like to either praise or complain, that this part is usually way too long. So now it's actually like, this is how long it's supposed to be. (laughs) Hey, so we're going to take a brief break, and then we're going to come back and talk about uh, both the... uh, Let me me clarify something. Is it the New York hardcore documentary, or do you do the NYHC documentary, or or were you never at a part where you actually had to say what the name of the movie was? You know, we could never think of a better name oh, so that's it was fair. always just kind of NYHC and then every interview we did we'd say you know what should we call this movie and, and nobody that we interviewed ever came up with a name so it just kind of stuck <laughs> and because it really is like the only New York hardcore, New York documentary. hardcore documentary it's kind of referred to as the well, New York because hardcore, there's like, hardcore documentary well from what I understand there's like three or four others that have been in production in some right. sense right? yeah but they the never actually come out finish one yeah which is, which is really perfect for hardcore I mean, that's, like, <laughs> that's it's pretty just like, yeah that best exemplar that is everything yeah, yeah like, no that's good there so you go we're really the fake ones because we actually put it out you know? yeah that's no that's we're actually true posers you are no, posers no. <laughs> yo that New York hardcore documentary they actually finished it that's <laughs> crazy posers. Yeah. well but you didn't get distribution that would have been that's true if you actually were in theaters that would have been like fucking sellout shit you could actually watch it (laughs) all right so after the break we'll be back
well, you know, if you're in a band, you know, the whole being in a band, a hardcore band, is, is, is rough, you know? Being in any band is rough, you know, but being in a hardcore band, especially, especially years back, you know, hardcore music is very underground, you know? Probably the most underground music there is out right now. And a lot of people don't pay respect to it that much, and you know, then struggle. Torn in a van, sleeping, living in it. Sometimes they don't make enough money to even eat. Everybody move up, have a good time. Sing along. Yo, let's get some pylons going on up here. So sing along. She's guys doing the sing-along is. What's up? Move up. <laughs> We try to speak about reality, what's going on, where we live, what's around us, you know. It's a street style music, you know, where people like, you know, express, you know, their angers and frustrations of, of every day. The whole idea of hardcore is to reject the society, this culture that's like forced us into a lifestyle that we, we don't want to be a part of. I don't want to be like 40 and have missed out on anything. By the way, but I made my decision, you know, it's not for everybody, it's, you know, it's, it's my life, my decision, you know. You got kids that go to college, that wasn't for me, you know. It, it's not that I didn't fit in, it's just I didn't want to fit in, you know, that wasn't for me, you know. I mean, I chose my own lifestyle, my own path in life. To me, it's all about the fun, you know what I mean? If it wasn't fun, I wouldn't do it. I just use music for a vent. I need ventilation, I need some sort of release, and this is it. There's an urge in everybody to rebel against their authorities. New York has its own like style dance. It's, it's a lot more. It's a lot more violent. I would say like in New York or e even New Jersey. Now they got an MTV and oh. Scenes from the mosh pit, like uh, Woodstock. What is that? Blow. What do you think you'd be doing if you weren't uh, in a hardcore band? Uh, I'd be. Dr uh... I'd be driving a race car in English Town every Sunday. I wanted to, uh, you know, export like uh, dangerous animals. I want to become a fireman or something like that. Help people out. That's hardcore, right? Have a hydrant tattooed on my neck or something. It's a show. People come down, bands play, people watch, they dance, they have fun, they go home, you know? I think that's why, we, you know, New York Hardcore is getting so much attention is because we've been always a family and has always been very tight-knit family. Topic, of course. <laughs> All right, and we're back. 
I don't even know what, what's, what's funny about this is like, uh, I don't know what we're going to play right there. Are we going to play Crown of Thorns? Are we going to play? We have to, you have to play a dial. Have to, I'll tell you what you play. Yeah. You play the part of Mike, from Mike and Todd from District 9 sure. sitting on the bench talking about their jobs. Ah. You don't understand. God I damn it. dialogue. Yeah, like, Frank, like, oh my God. My Can I tell you right now? For years now, for years, <laughs> everyone I know, and not just one group of friends, multiple group of friends, if anyone has seen the documentary, they go, they do that, and they try, it, it, it really depends on whether, how comfortable they are with the N-bomb, right. but still they're right. like, Man, you a you a garbage man, you know. It's a, I, I specialize in. I, I do you no know, groundskeep, you know, sanitation. <laughs> you a garbage man, man. Well, tell what you do. I scan pictures of naked bitches. Uh, no, no, I scan naked bitches all day. <laughs> the other lie that people always say to me is, "Man, I got a weed spot here. I got a weed spot there. I got a weed spot there. I'm surrounded by weed spots." That's that's right near here. Like, I know. That's why I it's know. so great that we're here because we are in District Nine territory. No, that's true. You know, oh. we, are, we are right. Oh near my god. To be fair, Liam has a District Nine baseball hat. <gasps> uh, Someone sat on it in the back of my car, so I don't wear it anymore. Oh. It's all fun. But it was a fitted. Literally, I picked it up because here's the thing. This is the joke about that hat. Right. I have a big fucking head. I have like a next level large head. <laughs> and so I was at. This is when District Nine was the first time they played. This is hardcore. I'd seen them at the. Remember when B and B Bowl was like actually the hardcore Super Bowl hardcore yeah. before they threatened they threatened like to sue them or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I went that year where District Nine played whatever. So I'd seen them a couple times, but this is the first time they played. This is hardcore. I went up right. to the table. They've got some young lady working the table, flirting with guys, doing whatever. She's a real hardcore seller. And I was like, oh, this hat is so sick. But nothing ever fits my head. And it's a fitted hat. I put it on my head. It fit fucking oh. perfect. She goes, well, now you got to buy a poppy. And I was like, <laughs> fuck. I literally looked at her. I looked at her and I just went, fuck. And she's like, I know, right? <laughs> That'll be $20. And I was like, all right. So I just gave her my twenty dollars. Oh, and what's fun, what's funny is uh you so know good. that that day oh. I was wearing. Do you guys know? And I don't even like this show anymore because he gets on my nerves. But you know, uh, Ed Lover has that Come On Son show. I don't know what that is. Oh, so Ed Lover, uh huh, the, the a, rapper has a YouTube. The OMTV raps guy. He raps, yeah. right? He has a YouTube show called Come On Son, and basically he just comments on current events and then holds up a sign that says Come On Son. That's like the whole fucking show. <laughs> it's quite it, a gimmick. And at first I loved it, but then I I forgot that he is both a misogynist and a homophobe. But bef- I didn't realize. So I, at first I was just like, Oh, I love her. He's a funny guy. So someone bought me that shirt, and I thought it was a funny shirt. So I wore it to This Is Hardcore Man, that but day. Then you were repping misogyny. So I bought and homophobia. Which well, is- I didn't even really put that together for a few years later but the point is i was wearing the shirt and i'm buying this district nine hat and then man uh, and then uh mike comes up and he's like oh yo come on son that's just hype and i was like i was like yeah man he's like you don't like that you live here in philly right and i was like yeah he's like you don't like that and i'm like yeah no i do he's like all right you know and then, was there. And then they played and i was like man district nine i you understand there's not a lot of Puerto Rican role models in hardcore. Right, so, right, right. Well, you know, people played, you know, my friends, we were talking about them earlier. My friend's band, The Real Deal, they right. used to cover Red, you know, Behind Red Tape. Everybody covers Behind Red Tape. That's like the cover song of the District 9 catalog. Oh, people actually cover that, really? For a while. I mean, not even. Well, actually, the other day, Jesus, you know, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. <laughs> hey, so uh, for those of you who don't know, me and uh, Josh... Uh, we are huge Yodorowsky fans. And, and if you're listening yeah. to this and you want to talk about Yodorowsky's dude, we're going to get there. But we want to start because one of the things that we wanted to know was sort of like how you got into documentary filmmaking, how you ended up making this Yodorowsky documentary. But then in my in my process to figure out after watching 
what I mean, we both thought that was one of the better documentaries yeah. we'd ever Dude, seen. It was awesome. It really, oh, it, awesome. it really moved me. So I'm like, who the hell is this guy? And then I go to your MDB, and I'm like, you got to be fucking joking. <laughs> New York hardcore documentary. Like that's again, I knew the soundtrack before there was a movie. Like right. everyone had that when I first started going to shows. Everyone had the soundtrack. Really? Right? Wow. Everyone I knew had it. But that was you know. South Jersey. I grew up when I first started going. It's funny because now I like weirdo stuff. I'm like an Infest fan. I like weird whatever. Yeah. But I first started going to shows. People really thought Fury Five was like the best yeah. band. Right. In you loved Thugcore though. You were yeah. like that was your jam. You Grace is laughing because she remembers this time period that I was friends with Big Pants dudes. Yeah. We went to. It was hard to be friends with anybody else. Yeah, we went to burial ground shows. We saw, (laughs) you know, lots of tough guy bands. Like that was like what was. I mean, again, there were other bands, Snapcase, all that kind of stuff, and even the dudes I knew who were into that twenty five to life inspired scene, they also liked VOD and one hundred eight and some of the bands that were outliers. It wasn't like that was all they liked, Uh but for them. All that other stuff was outliers to what mattered, which was going to see E-Town Concrete again. (laughs) Which is just like, really? We're going to go see E-Town again? Jesus Christ. So the New York Hardcore documentary was sort of a big part of that. And even people I know who don't necessarily like those bands saw that movie and were like, what? And, you know, (laughs) some of the lines of dialogue we're talking about, it it sticks with you. There are just such huge character moments. You know, (laughs) how long... Can Rick to life talk about his fucking belts? <laughs> you know, like that shit like that. But uh, before we get oh my too God, much, I forgot about that. Oh wow. God, damn it! It's such a classic movie. But before we get into that, wow. how did you get? How did that happen? I don't know anything about well, how that project happened. Yeah, um, you know, I, I grew up in New York. I grew up in Queens, and mm-hmm. when I was nineteen, I moved to um, I moved to L.A. So it was nineteen ninety two. Sure, I moved to L.A. And I would come back to New York for the holidays, see you know, see my my family and stuff for Christmas and all that, and I would go to shows, you know. Go you to grew up in the hardcore scene, kind of. I mean, not re- you know, when I left in '92, it was kind of coming back, but before then, yeah. mm-hmm. there wasn't really that much going on. You know, sure. I, I certainly was, you know, didn't have my ear to the ground of you know right. what was happening. But for some reason. I kind of fell into it when I would come back for the holidays. So I'd go to Wetlands or mm-hmm. you know wherever there was shows you know happening, and then I'd go back to like, so I'd come here for a couple of weeks, come back to New York for right. Christmas and New Year's, then I'd go back to L.A. and there was really nothing in L.A. Right. And I kept saying, oh, that sucks. Like I really wish that right. there was like good bands in L.A. But at that time there was really there was really nothing that I knew of in L.A. Yeah. Mm. So I kept coming back, kept coming back, and you know started going to more and more shows, and then this idea just kind of came like you know well why don't we just Let's make a documentary. Like, let's literally document what's happening right now. So, you know, the the main criticism that people have about the film is that, oh, it doesn't cover, you know, 1988, and it's not, you know, <laughs> sure, original agnostic sure. front or whatever. But it's like, it was never meant to be a history. It was meant to be, this is what's happening now, because it's so fucking dysfunctional yeah. that after, you know, six months, all the bands are breaking up. Nobody can stand each other. No right. one speaks anymore. And we just wanted to get it on tape. And sure. if it took us years to edit it, you know, which it did, of course. Yeah. Um, at least we had the material, you know, and it's there well, for posterity. And by the time it came out, it was almost like classic. Like right. by the time yeah. people actually started to see it, it was like, oh, that's what it was like right. then, exactly. or that's what that was. Been. I mean, especially a band like 108, you, you like capture that 108 moment. By the time that this thing existed, no one could see was, 108 anymore. Yeah, they were done. So were, were you interested in filmmaking before that, or was this sort of like, what were you doing at that point? I were was you studying? In, I was interested in filmmaking before that. I went to school of visual arts okay. in New York yeah. for a little while, and then and then um, 
and then I left after a year and I went to LA to start, you know, working, working in movies, working mm-hmm. on TV, trying to get into the industry. Right. Um, so I'd always had that interest and, yeah. um, and I was friends with Kevin Gill. Okay. Who, um, you know, who ran SFT records. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he was sort of my conduit into the scene. So he would like send me tapes, you know, mm-hmm. check out 25 to Life, check out, like the first time I heard VOD, he called me up, I was in LA, and he called me up and he played Formula for Failure over the phone. <laughs> and I was just like, this, it was the greatest thing I had ever heard in my life. And it was sure. over a fucking, you know, telephone. telephone. Sure. Um, so he, you know, once I said, oh, I really want to make this movie, he started to introduce me to, to a lot of those guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then there were certain bands that you know that I got to without him. Like you know, like I knew I wanted, I didn't want all the bands to be the same. So I didn't want you know seven E Town Concretes or whatever, right, you know, right, seven right, twenty five right. to life. So I kind of wanted right. different. Here's some guys from the Bronx. Here's some guys from Long Island. Here's a Harry Krishna band. You know, yeah. which ones are going to be? Is it going to be Shelter or One Hundred and Eight? You know, what am I going to? Yeah. Which one fits the movie more? Um, I like that it was One Hundred and Eight because even though that's a New York band, they wrote a lot of that in Philly. So that was a Philly there connection you go. for See, me. But and they're amazing. The, they're like really. Oh my God. I mean, come on. Still just, one of my favorite bands. Still of all one time. of the greatest bands of all time. Yeah. Like, yeah. Really. So how did these conversations start? Like you said, he had a connection for you, but are you just showing up with cameras at a show? How did that go over? I, 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 are there people who are like not cool with? It. You know, everybody seemed cool with it because it was a different time. You know, it was yeah. 1995. I think yeah. you know people didn't have little vi- little video cameras. People, there was no internet really. Right. There was no anything, right. so it was kind of new. And if you get a phone call from somebody from the other side of the country who's like, "Hey, I really love your band and I want to make a documentary. And do you want to be in it?" Mm-hmm. We didn't get any no's. You know, sure. everybody. I, I still have I have a, a letter that was sent to me by Rick. <laughs> by Rick to Life, which was, of course, written on the back of a flyer, of the course. only paper that he has is right. flyers, and it was, um, <laughs> it was, uh, it was, it was, Yo Frank, um, the docu sounds s o u n d z cool. I'm in touch with Kev. Kevin Gill, nice. and then he gave me his phone number, and I was just like, "This is amazing." Dude. I thought, like, I want to frame it one day and that hang is, it up because it's dude, incredible. It be but everybody now. was open to it. Is Everyone it, was like, "Sure, sounds great." You is know? Kevin in the movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's um, the guy who talks about angel dust smells like uh, a yeah. rotting seal in a trash exactly. bag. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it smells awful. Yo, <laughs> any time I can make Grace laugh over there. So, because like, what that part of the movie, I remember him saying that, and like. You know, with all the dudes I was friends with, like there were definitely some whack things going on in Philly too. But right. most of the dudes I knew were straight edge. So he uh, he says this, and I just started going to shows a Stalag, right? Yeah. And he says, you know, Angel Nuss smells like a rotting. Th- I think he says seal in a trash bag. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, that's what that smell was at that show. Oh. I didn't know what the fuck that. Sh- I was like, I mean, what? I mean, what Kevin Gale is really a wordsmith. It? Like oh, that's yeah. incredible. Right. A rotting seal. He said yeah. it smells like a rotting seal. In a hefty trash bag. Yeah. I mean, wow. In a hefty yeah. trash bag. Like that's <laughs> very specific. That, is a really, that really paints a picture. It I really mean, does. So as you, as you started going and uh, talking to some of these folks, what, what were some of the difficult, like what was hard about doing this, especially at this time with these bands? And what was like surprisingly easy? What was a door that opened that you didn't expect to open? Uh, I mean, it was, it was. For the most part, it was the production was simple. You know, we chose sure. three weeks um, in the summer of '95. Yeah. Um, and you know, it came out. I stayed in my you know my parents' basement. I brought a, a camera guy out from L.A. You know, he was like this you know 50 year old Israeli guy. He was like, "What oh, am I no. doing here?" So he really had no clue, which was interesting. That's great. Though. Like I wanted somebody outside. Um, you know, we didn't shoot on a shitty camera. We shot on like a Beta 
like a Betamax camera, like a, yeah. like a news camera, you yeah. know, like wow. a real deal, like a, you know, $100,000 news camera walking yeah. into these places. No, it looks, it, the film looks it, it good for what it is. It's yeah, not yeah, a VHS yeah. Yeah. camcorder, you know, right, right, which is right. what existed. Um, so the production was somewhat easy, but it was very yeah. hectic. It was like every day either driving to a show or going to someone's house and doing mm-hmm. an interview. Sure. Um, you know, the most embarrassing thing I think of it all was, um, you know, I'm doing it all myself. So I'm scheduling everything and I'm driving and I'm like, you know, a little overwhelmed. I was like 20 two years old or something mm-hmm. like that um, and uh, we got out to the Hare Krishna temple in New Jersey <laughs> yeah. to interview Rick, Rick. Uh, right. I'm sorry uh, uh, Vic, 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 Vic from, from 108 so we get out there and uh, you know meet the person at the temple they, they go get him and he comes down and he's like hey what are you guys doing here and I was like oh hey Vic I'm Frank you know we're here to do the interview and he's like Oh, he's like, I just got back from tour like two hours ago. He's like, I thought we scheduled it for tomorrow. And most likely he was right. Most likely I got it wrong. And we came and I was like, I'm such a fucking asshole. Like this guy just got off tour. He's this like monk. But he was like so gracious and so nice. He's like, yeah, yeah let's do it, man. Absolutely. He gave us this whole tour of his temple. Like could sure. it be a sweeter nicer guy and that was really the way everything went like everybody was did so it, fucking nice were all so the shows welcoming. smooth i mean did everything go well as far as filming at that everything at the was everything shows? was good it was a little difficult you know coney island high yeah, yeah. Was a little bit difficult was that the, was that was that vod or was that 108 that was that was coney island? no coney island high was Madball. um oh yes 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 yes, 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 yes. Yeah, it was yeah, all yeah, three yeah. in one night right um and it was just wow. like hot as fuck it was like you know a hot yeah, disgusting summer. Then we had a couple lights in there, yeah. Oh, so it God. really just started to heat the place up, and then everybody wanted to kill us because you know I'm like, well, we want a picture, you know, <laughs> we need to see what's going on. So it kind of gives the film a weird, bright look, yeah. which is kind of interesting. Like it's a it's very true. Strange... It does. It, it it parts of it don't feel like a show as yeah. you would imagine. Yeah. You know. So you filmed at Coney Island. I think was there a CBGB's portion? No, as CBGB's well? would not. Uh, they weren't even doing hardcore shows oh, at that time. Right. Really, it was really you know. Was there another venue? Was we did Co- we did Coney Island High. We did um, we did the Pipeline in uh, Newark. Newark. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and then yeah, we did yeah. a place called the Pipeline in Northport, Long Island. Whoa, which was a indoor batting cage slash indoor skate park. So they just wheeled out all the batting cages and had a show there. That's amazing. And on the other side of a chain link fence was like this little indoor skate park that was going on at the same time as (laughs) as VOD in 108. Um, Was there any bands was there any bands that you were like there's no way we're going to get those guys and then they were like No, really every single one that I wanted. Every um, single person was just no question. Because I really wanted a small number. Like I didn't uh, want. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. You know, like a couple years later, um, American Hardcore came out. Sure. And I can't watch it because I'm like, who the fuck is talking? It's it's is a million people on screen. I don't know who this person is. What they have to do with anything? I get lost. Yeah. I was like, I want seven bands, and a small number of people so that you get to know these the bands. So of people. so when they're yeah. talking about. The guy, you know, there's a garbage man and stuff. You remember these characters. That's what I was going to ask. You get to know them. It's very much a character movie in a lot of ways. Was that intentional? And did you know when you were filming it how much of that was going to be like, these people are ridiculous? I, you know, I didn't, I didn't know any of them until either the show or the interview we did with them. Like I literally did not meet, I just spoke to them on the phone. Yeah, great. We'll come over next Tuesday. What's your address? But I didn't, didn't meet them at all. So I didn't know anything about them. We kind of just went in blind. It's amazing. I I didn't know what the film was going to be. I knew I liked the decline of Western civilization. Sure. And that was the inspiration for this movie. I was like, if I can make a movie like as good as Penelope Spheris is, then I'd be the happiest guy in the world. Um, 
So that was really that was that's, the only that's inspiration. The, for well, it. But that's like a that's quite a star to shoot I mean, that's, for. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, the yeah, ultimate. Yeah. You know. Oh my gosh, it's <laughs> so, amazing though. Oh yeah, unbelievable. But, but, but the production was was surprisingly easy. It was the editing that was the most difficult. That's what I was going to ask. So how long was it between when you finished filming to when it actually was like you could have a copy of it? Four years. Four Four years. 95 to 99, and I had to edit it on, it was, you know, pre- non-linear editing. So pre-Avid, pre-computer, there was no software. It was literally tape to tape. No way. So just like making a mixtape when you're a kid. Yeah. And you put down one song, and then a second song, and then a third song, and then you want to change the second song well, you got to erase everything. It's exactly Holy what it was. Shit. So I had to take all those tapes, transfer them onto these big, outdated tapes called three-quarter inch tapes. These like right. massive old school 1970s like things. Like the big real things. But yeah, like yeah. just these massive tapes. I had every, we had 88 tapes. Yeah. I had to transfer them all myself. Re, you know, do all the transcriptions myself, the time coding and everything, and try to edit. And then try to... It sounds so stupid, but try to... We had, we had two cameras for the shows. Sure. Uh-huh. And then we had the audio tape, you know, like sure. the, the DAT tape, you know, yeah. that, went, that went to the board. And trying to sync up all of those things, which did not, the, the time code numbers didn't sync. Right. was like impossible because <laughs> you're doing math. Had you, had you not, ever done this before? Was this like... Never. This, so you were, so you were not just cold on this. Just this completely. Was just, that's why it took me four years, you know? <laughs> the equipment kept breaking. And it was just like, it was a fucking hell. Well, and you have so no idea. What, it was I was, what I was told when, 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 the, when the documentary soundtrack existed, that right. this was like paying to some extent for the film. Is that That was real? the goal. That was the goal. Okay. I, I was like, well, it's easier for me to make the soundtrack. Sure. Um, and and I and it was I, that was directly lifted from decline because decline right. Western civilization that soundtrack has the dialogue yeah pieces in totally between. I was like oh I want to do the same thing it'd be so great oh my god so I talked to Kevin pieces, Gill and yeah. I was like hey let's put it out on SFT Records sure I'll just give you the whole I'll make the soundtrack I'll do the mix I'll do yeah. the artwork I'll just give it all to you you just put it out as SFT. And whatever proceeds come in, we'll use we can use to fucking finish this movie because I've got to finish this goddamn yeah. thing. And what are you doing during these four years while you're working on the movie? Um, I was working, I think I was working for like a Japanese commercial production company as like what? a receptionist. Yeah, and, totally. Uh, yeah, I mean like just working on like little films here and there, just yeah. crewing on different stuff, yeah. just trying yeah. to like, you know, survive pretty much. And so did the soundtrack help with the production at all or did it not really No, pan because out? the accounting got all screwed up and I think that the proceeds from that one went into like the next shutdown record and it was just like they couldn't they were like, you know, they were it was Kevin and his girlfriend Barbara running it out of their yeah, in a studio no, apartment sure, in Whitestone. Sure. It was like it was well, difficult. Like, like I could a, see how I think I mixed up and I, I just mean, kind of, you know Like a lot of things at that torturous. time. I mean, can you even imagine like the, one of the parts of the movie that is insane to me is when you go to Rick to Life's house, which it, it looks literally like he lives in a cave in the subway. <laughs> like that's what it looks like. And so I remember watching that in 90, when we could finally watch it and I'm watching right. it. And by that point, it's funny because it's such a small period of time where back to basics was the thing. Right. Yeah. By 99, if you walk into a record store and you see a 25 to life record on the wall, you're like, <laughs> Who's who's buying that? <laughs> right. That's a thing. Who's buying that record? That's right. like a real thing. So finally watching it and being like, oh, this dude put records out? Like he lives in a hole. He has a pile of t-shirts and, you know, and more really, action figures on the wall. Than, you know. and, and it suddenly made sense to me like all of the scamming. Like yeah. and, and, and the scamming existed way into night. But you know, yeah, yeah. through two thousand three yeah. it was like, oh, Rick's here. Yeah. Let's go get a dubbed copy of the barrel but, you know, but it's, it's so weird because it's like you know now we're in 2016 and sure. it's like i feel like 
I feel like he's gotten a bad rep to a certain to right. a certain extent. Like, right. Yeah, he you know bootlegged everything, including the New York Hardcore documentary. Sure. <laughs> he did everything, but he also like you know like you know what he bootlegged a lot of a lot of fucking demos. Like he got yeah. people's shit out because he would play. Even says in the documentary, sometimes two shows in a night. Yeah. It's crazy. Like people don't realize that he that was he a very really is one of the the main catalysts to bring hardcore back in the mid nineties because wow. he was like he's like even says like what am I gonna do get a regular job look at me like <laughs> yeah. what am I gonna fucking yeah. do I've got to do this yeah I mean that's a, that's that's what I was sort of saying too is, uh, is and now that you like, get like kids on the internet who don't know who he is don't know what twenty five to life was don't know what any what any of this is and it's just like ah fuck him and it's like you're like sixteen years old like <laughs> you weren't even born when we were shooting this like well come and, on, and man. I I think <laughs> some of that some of that I feel like some of that might change because just being someone who is interacting with young kids the the curve is turning a little bit and some of that style of hardcore is coming of, back coming back into vogue a teeny bit wow but uh not enough i think for people i think it's because he's clearly dealing with issues now and right. he's still on the internet still saying things i mean i don't think it made a good case when he you know he takes a picture with the horse and he's like look guys I, it's my horse <laughs> i'm sure it's like oh it's so funny and self-referential but i i think for younger kids in the scene they're just kind of like oh this guy and it's it's hard to explain to them like the reason it was so funny that Rick to Life was on a horse and the original Rick to Life on a horse was that you couldn't imagine this guy doing anything right. yeah. but selling hardcore and being in a band. Like yeah, the idea that yeah. he went on a vacation. Yeah. That yeah. was like, but it wasn't just that he was on a horse. It's like, wait, Rick to Life went to a place that's yeah. not a city, yeah. that is not a show, and did a leisure activity. Yeah. <laughs> what? Like, like, what? Like now, it's so weird because now it's like you look at, you know, his look yeah. is. is, is Mainstream now, yeah, it's like true. he yeah. used to be like, oh my god, what the hell is that coming down the street? Outlier. Now it's like, you know, Little Wayne is like, you know, Little Wayne is fucking Rick to life. Like, <laughs> Little Wayne sorry. is Rick to life. <laughs> fucking, oh my god, oh my god, I'm sorry. That just happened. Is it not true? Can we give a little respect oh, to the fucking man. guy that originated that look? Oh. I mean, come on, he's got the long fucking drawings. He's got facial tattoos. You just, he you is just, that guy. You just. Yeah. Grace's brain just melted because but it's, it's true. Rick to it's life true. is is Lil Wayne is Rick to life, and and Lil Wayne is like a su- fucking superstar. The cover of like Time yeah. magazine, practically, and it's like yeah. really, and 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 his 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 uh, lyrical skills to me sound a lot like Rick. It's kind of just like a yeah. you know what? That's a really good mouth. argument. Like, that what I, the fuck is anyone I, saying? I, mean, I don't I will, know what Rick's saying, and I don't know what Lil Wayne. I mean, I will, I will, I will Maybe say I'm just dumb. I, don't I, know. I will say this about. Uh, the Rick to life. I am glad that his vocal style didn't really take off because I do think the belchy going blah, blah. back going back to it now. I'm like, oh man, really? Like that's really what you're gonna do? But <laughs> other than that, I think you're right. Like, and he was doing. I mean, not that he he originated DIY, but it's funny because in a scene that that era of hardcore for me emotionally as a kid then was very yeah. separated from punk. But if you really think about right. what Rick did, it very is that punk. he took a lot of punk technique and then injected it with the uh, street hood thug thing he needed to to sell it to a new group of people. Right. But it was still like people did punk shit, even if they were like wearing gold chains and FUBU sweatshirts. Right. They were like, well, we're going to print it ourselves. We're going to produce it ourselves. We're going to sell it ourselves because we're going to do it ourselves. Right. And I don't think that would have happened in that group if it wasn't partly for, for Rick. Rick. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, that be all that being said, um, is there anything about the filming that uh, that 
you know, someone said something so crazy or something happened so weird that you had to cut it out of the movie. That just didn't make it into the film. No, I don't think so. Because even, you know, it, it's tough because, you know, I wanted a short film. It's sure. only, it's only 87 minutes. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I think a documentary should be an hour and a half. That's right. kind of like the sweet That's spot. It's a good I think. cutoff. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of stuff that we just had to take out that just didn't fit. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, so basically shot at 95, edited for four years, like, yeah. you know, released, mm-hmm. self-released it on VHS in 1999, which is right when VHS was going right. off the cliff. Right. So I ended up with like a garage full of VHS tapes. <laughs> nobody, everyone's like, I want a DVD. And then in 2000, it took us till 2008 to put it on like this awesome double DVD set with like extra features and right. where are they now stuff. In 2008 was essentially the, the end death of, DVD. of DVD. It's like it, I'm, I'm never. Oh, man, I was gonna, I'm just late. On I was, I was about to ask him. Can, can people still get a DVD copy of this thing? I don't. I've think, only seen it on VHS. I've never seen the DVD. I have a DVD of it. You got the DVD. That, this is an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. When it came out, it was one of the first things that I got from my wife as a little gift. The New York Hardcore documentary because my You're wife either is, the best husband or the worst husband. My wife is way my wife has never even seen it. I mean, really, never. Yeah, she's like, I'm not going to listen to that screechy <laughs> music. What's the matter with you? That is hilarious. That's great. That's great. So okay, so you so, so basically so you so, put so, it out so in '99. You felt like out. nobody was. So let's go back. You mm-hmm. put it out in '99. You feel like probably no one's seen it at this point. Correct. Like, it's just like, and then it takes another, what is that, nine years? Yeah. To put it on a DVD. Put it on DVD. And then it's like, no one sees it on right. DVD. Exactly. So can people still get it on DVD? Is it like possible I, to acquire? I think it's, you know, there, there might be copies left. It was a company called Halo 8. Um, mm. This great guy named Matt uh, Pizzolo put it out. Um, but I, I just don't think it sold well because of technology. And so now I was actually just emailing him. I've got to email him back because... Uh, we were just talking about, I was like, what can I do? Like, can I, I want to put it on iTunes or put it on Vimeo, like yeah. some way yeah. for people to see it that's not in a shitty, you know, uh, bootlegged upload on YouTube. Like, right. it's, a, it's a deserves. Yeah. It's all the music yeah. and the bands deserve people to see it properly. Yo, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. Like, hearing, talking about this, I'm like, man, we should screen this fucking movie. That would be fun. Yeah. We should think about I mean, we don't need to talk about it on the air, but just thinking about it, because I'm <laughs> right. like, there are a lot of people I know who know about it but who have haven't never seen, seen it. an actual. You know, or they've watched the bootlegs on YouTube. Like, oh, I I just saw the one interview because it's funny. Or (laughs) a lot of people have watched the District Nine conversation we were talking about. You know, like that's the thing. But yeah, oh man, that would be awesome. So, so it's funny too when the when the VHS came out. I was working at Vintage Vinyl in Ford's, New Jersey, and I remember getting the box in of these movies. Wow. Yeah, this is pretty. It's funny to think. I didn't sell one. Excellent. Oh well, we sold a bunch. <laughs> well, I mean, Rick to Life always would come into that store, and like all those New York hardcore guys always come through. So we sold a lot of it, if I remember yeah, correctly. And, and, and to be fair, I, I had a lot of older, you know, I'm, I'm thinking right now, as someone who still is involved in booking shows, like my, my show friends range in ages. Everyone I know who was my age at yeah. some point saw the fucking movie. Wow. Like most yeah. people I knew, whether now, granted, some of them know for sure the copy they watched was bootleg because they bought it from Rick, <laughs> and, and it was a photocopy cover, and they black got, and white piece of paper taped. Yeah, the they, of they a got box. they got home and they put it in. and They're like, oh, this is definitely not an original. This is copy. Definitely you know the bootiest of legs. So the, you know that being said, but um, but I do think that there are younger people who've heard about it right oh right there's that movie you know and then just haven't gotten to see it right. whatever. that being said so you put it out in 99 then 
are you what are you doing between 99 and 2008 like you're working to get it out on dvd but also what's going on in your life are you making other movies are you working in film and then is this how that when did the Jodorowsky things yeah i was gonna say i i just picture this chasm between okay i've got this right. movie done i'm a young person i got it done it exists right and then the Jodorowsky thing happens right. A while so later. So, later, what's right. going on in your life? I mean, in the in the meantime, I worked um, I worked for a production company in L.A. Um, I worked. It was the uh, the actor Anthony Edwards. Oh, oh sure, yeah, sure, sure. He's on yeah. ER, and yeah. you know, he's Goose and Top Gun. So I worked yeah. for his production company, and I did you know I did development. I was like you know yeah. it was him, his producing partner, and me, and for the most part, and essentially. Um, trying to make movies yeah, know, which is yeah. like next to impossible I mean, yeah it's not an easy thing to do even with him who was like the you know highest paid actor on TV at the time yeah. couldn't get anything made and yeah. we in seven years we made four uh, we made four films three or four films I can't remember and one of them I was a co-producer on and it went to Sundance um, oh that's cool what was it it's just very bizarre if you look at my filmography it's really weird this one was called Die Mommy Die Never seen it. It starred a guy named Charles Bush. I don't know if you know who Charles Bush is. He Charles Bush is a very well-known female impersonator. Oh, wow. But he does like a very specific era. He does like, you know, Joan Crawford and Betty Davis okay. era. So we did this movie called Die, Mommy, Die, which is based on a stage play that he wrote. Um, he also, he wrote a, he made a film called Psycho Beach Party, which oh, is yeah. kind of on yeah, the yeah. Oh, on, yeah, I know so that. Yeah. It's movie, available on Shudder. In, in the movie, it's, it's the girl from... Um, um, What's that HBO show about the the mortuary? Six feet under. under. So so the main girl in that plays the main character, but in the real stage play, it's Charles Bush playing that female character. So we made this movie... Um, which was basically made to look like one of those like 1960s yeah. Betty Davis, John Crawford movie, but with him in that Betty Davis, John Crawford role. But that you never reference amazing. that it's a guy. It's just like, no, we just cast him. That's that's who it's going to be. Oh, I'm I'm lying. It's, I have I actually have seen this movie. No. Yeah. Looking at the poster, I'm like, oh yeah, no, I saw it's this. A, it's Jason Priestley. It's, it's also uh, Natasha Lyonne. Yeah, yeah. that's. Oh. So I I, uh, I, think, I think it's the best thing she's ever done, and I love Natasha Lyonne. Like I think I, everything I, she does is amazing, but this fucking movie so she is. What happens was I, I saw her in, what was the movie she did? Uh, the Beverly Hills movie. Or was it Beverly oh, Hills? Or? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Beverly Hills. Slums of Beverly Hills. Slums of Beverly Hills. I saw her in Slums of Beverly Hills. Obsessed. Right. Went through a period of like, let's find every movie that right. she's done. And I, so that I watched it because of that. That's and hilarious. I remember watching it being like, this is a crazy movie. Yeah. It was when I was first, you know, this is, we've talked about this on the show. It's like, you we, you know, up to a certain age for both of us, we were movie fans. Yeah. And then at some point you just start digging a little deeper. Yeah, you, you deeper. turn the corner. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're like, uh, I know a lot of stuff that normal <laughs> people don't know. Right. Normal people don't care about this. <laughs> and normal people do not know Die, Mommy, Die. No. So, that's for sure. But I was working for this production company and trying yeah. to make movies. Yeah. And then um, and then in 2008, I moved back to New York. Okay. And oh, then, oh, after trying to make movies, then I sold my soul for a while and worked for the E! Channel in L.A. Oh, how was that? Torturous. I mean, yeah, that like, sounds awful. You want to kill yourself. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you know. Man. I feel like if you, I, I guess the exception might be like, uh, isn't Talk Soup on uh, the E! Channel? Talk Soup was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so was. I feel like that's the one thing where you're like, oh, I've worked for E! But if you were on Talk Soup, you'd right. be like, I'm then on that's Talk like, Soup. Yeah, that's like, and those guys had the biggest attitudes. Oh, I'm sure. They were like the shit. You They're know? the only the thing that like anyone cares about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Adam Nicole Smith TV show or whatever. But I, I basically wow. I, I did like all like the live events with sure, them, like sure, the Oscars, sure, sure. And, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. twenty four hours of Golden Globes coverage. Well, uh, I mean, I mean, we fascinating. I mean, we can make fun of it, but you're basically you're you're at that point you're a working man in entertainment, right? You're yeah, working right. a job. So that's pretty right. awesome. Yeah, right. 
And how did the Yodorowsky thing come out then? Uh, I came, so I came back to New York in 2008, and I was working on you know reality shows, ghost hunting type, sure. you know reality shows. Yeah. And um, no way. And uh, I'd heard, you know, read about this Dune project, you know. Yeah. And I was like, this is interesting, and so I was like, I wonder if I can find. I wonder if I can find him. I think this is yeah. before he was on Twitter. Maybe it was before Twitter. Maybe wait, there wasn't wait, no Twitter. Were, were you a Yodorowsky fan? Yeah, I mean, I, to a certain extent, you know, I, right. I knew his, you know, I knew Holy Mountain, I knew El Topo, um, mm -hmm. and I was totally intrigued by them. And then you read about that he was going to make Dune, yeah, ten years before David Lynch, and it's like, what the fuck? And then you start reading about all the, you know, all the crazy aspects of it. You know, that yeah. Pink Floyd is going to do the music, and Dali uh, is going to be in the it, Emperor, and yeah. Orson Welles is going to be in it, and it's like, yeah. well, how did this? What the fuck is this? Yeah. Oh, man. But there's not that much information out there. Like you read little stories, but it's kind of the same yeah. thing regurgitated on websites and little books. Yeah. So I was like, well, I wonder if I can find him. So I went searching around the internet for a while, and I found uh, this woman in Spain who listed him on her website. She was an agent, uh -huh. and she listed him as one of her clients. And he's like an actor under her website and I was like wow. I was like he's an actor like what the fuck movies does he act in that are not his like what the yeah. fuck is it so I just sent her this email and I was like oh is it you know is it true that you represent Alejandro Jodorowsky because if so I would love to speak with him um, about possibly um, making a documentary about his experiences making Dune and I kind of you know sent it off and crossed my fingers and you know lit some candles and some incense or whatever <laughs> yeah. and a yeah. couple weeks later I wake up and I open up my computer and I open up my email and there's an unread message from Alejandro Jodorowsky. Holy like not shit. from the agent, but from him. And I was like, oh, but I was too scared to open right. it up. Because it, it, it <laughs> Anything been, from Jodorowsky I'd be afraid yeah, of. Yeah, dude. But yeah. it's like it, it started becoming like an obsessive dream for me to make this. And I was like, sure. well, what if I open it up and what if he just says no? Or yeah. what if he says, I'm not interested? Or the worst thing would be, what if he says, oh, you just missed me. I'm already making this documentary with somebody oh, else. God. And then I just right. killed myself. Yeah. So I wanted to pretend and live my life that, you know, I wanted to pretend that I was going to make this movie. So for a week, <laughs> I didn't open it and I just kind of walked around and dreamt like, oh yeah, he and I are friends and we're making this movie together and my life is so great and he's reading my tarot cards every day and we're, you know, we're yeah, roommates. Sure. Of course he is. No, that's right, yeah. And yeah. after a week, I was like, okay, you know. Gotta yeah, open it. Time to grow up and gotta open it. And I, so I opened it up, and it was basically this very short, but nice message where it was, "Oh, I understand you're looking for me." And he said, "I live in Paris, and uh, if you uh, if you want to speak to me, then you should come to Paris, and we should we should meet face to face." Oh, wow! So it was essentially like an invitation. To, yeah, dude, to that is house. so crazy. So how how long did it take you to make Yodorovsky's new? It took uh, took two and a half years. Wow. Two and a half years of wow. you know, editing and shooting. We went back to Paris and to Europe three different times to do more. Can, can you tell us what it was like when you met him the first time? Yeah, it was amazing. You know, it was yeah. terrifying. You know, yeah. terrifying. I live in Switzerland now. Sure. I've lived there for a couple of years because uh, my wife works for the UN. Oh. So I happened to be in Switzerland, and uh, and she was like, "Oh, she's like, you know, you should, you know, you should, you should go to Paris because Paris is only three hours by train." Yeah. yeah. So she's like, you know, you should you should email that guy and tell him that you're Jeez. that you're here and you'll go see him. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, okay. So I email. Oh I'm like, God. oh, dear Mr. Jodorowsky, you know, I'm I'm very near you and I'd like to come see you if you remember me. And yeah. um, it, was, it was a couple months later, I guess. Sure. And um, 
So he gave me his address. He said, okay, come over on you know Tuesday at four o'clock. Or he whatever just was, it was like, here's my street yeah, address. He was like, here's my fucking street address. Here's where I live. Yeah, here's, here's where I live. I'm like, Here, here's where what? I gather the psychomagic yeah. powers. Yeah, together. Like, so I'm like in a regular building? I'm like, <laughs> how? Like, is this a tree house? Do, like, do, where? I, do I have to murder a child to enter? Yeah. What's the password? Is it Fidelio? How do I how do I get into the building? What do I what do I do? <laughs> so I took this train yeah. and I went to uh, and I went to Paris. Yeah. Um, and it was it was a very strange experience because the apartment that I was in at the time in Switzerland was sure. a block away from the train station. Yeah. So I get on this train for three hours, get out of the train in Paris, the final stop, and I walk two blocks, and you're at his apartment. Yeah. So it was very strange. Like it was all very immediate. Like, yeah. This train was like this weird conduit to him, like directly to his front door. Almost. And all of a sudden, you're just there. And all of a sudden, I was there, and I was like, "Holy crap!" So my hands are sweating, and I press the buzzer, and they buzz me in, and then the elevator doesn't work. So he's up on the fourth floor, and I'm already kind of nervous. My, you know, my breathing's heavy, and I walk up the four flights, and then I'm like really out of breath, and really like, <laughs> oh, and I'm like ringing the doorbell, like you know, can barely gather myself. And he, the door opens, and it was uh, it was his wife, I believe, mm. and she's like, oh yes, come on inside, and she led me into this room, and sat me down in this chair, and um, a couple minutes later. Alejandro Jodorowsky comes shuffling out. Fucking of, Christ! Yeah, it was, of course, it he was does. like it was like a vision, like really yeah. like like the stories he tells. I mean, it was yeah. like it was like yeah. Dan O'Bannon talking about yeah. you know getting yeah. the, the magical marijuana. It was yeah. like what the hell? Because <laughs> he kind of shuffles out and sits down. He's like, yes, you you like to speak with me? What what would you like? And I, oh my god! And and he set it up. The motherfucker set it up where there was this ottoman in between the chair that I was placed in and then his chair, and on the ottoman was that big. Dune God book. damn it! But it was Dude. facing his seat. It wasn't facing my seat, so it wasn't really like an invitation to open it. Um, and I never got—I didn't get to open it that day. Oh, I was just kind of left. But he was basically—it was a short meeting where he's like, "What do you want to talk about?" And I said, "Oh, I'd love—I think this is a fascinating story, and I think this would be quite an opportunity. And you know, would you be interested?" And he basically said yes. Wow. You know, he never asked me. What have you done before? Let me see the New York Hardcore documentary. You know, he never. You know, it was just like he was not. He didn't tell you he was a big 108 yeah, fan. Yeah, oh, I love 108. Hare Krishna, it's incredible. Oh, Rick to life, he's incredible. Did it's it, fantastic. Did Did your other work ever come up? Did he ever never, want never to, to this day? Wow. Never to this day. Why would you talk about yourself if you're talking to Alejandro? But that, I know, but so, I just didn't know. I, I think that he. I think he made his decision just based on our meeting. It was like, I, I think he got a good vibe from me. And I so think he just felt like that I would be honest it. and tell the story sure. the best way. Um, and, then, uh, and then I came back a couple weeks later with the crew. And, uh, and we just started shooting. And then, so, we, so we shot for three weeks. Yeah. The first time we went to Paris was we shot for three weeks. And we shot with him. You know, we shot with him three or four times. We shot with Michelle Sadu, the producer. Yeah. Kind of traveled. We did the bulk of the interviews during that trip, and then after the three weeks, at our last interview with him, I was like, "Oh, you know, thank you." So I didn't know if we would go back and get more. I was yeah. like, "Maybe, maybe we got all of it. Who knows?" You know, right. we have to start editing. So I had a copy of the Incal, you know, the big yeah, comic yeah, yeah, book yeah, yeah. And I was like, I was like, you know, Mr. Jodorowsky, would you, you know, would you mind signing, signing my copy of the Incal? And he's like, "Sure, sure." <laughs> and he opens, he takes a pen, he opens it up, and he goes, "What was your name again?" Oh, <laughs> oh no. God damn! What? I was like, I feel like king of the world, and then just a speck of nothing. Like, Frank, my, my name is Frank. You're With the, an F. You're the, you're at that Mr. point, Mr. Pavich. Yeah, and, and now he doesn't even know me as Frank. Now I'm just Pavich. 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 Where are you? So, so, well, just on the topic of the book, of the Dune book, mm-hmm. 
the only question that we got in regards to our interview with you today was, is that book ever going to see the light of day? I don't know. You know, I, I think that there might be a rights issue to it in terms yeah. of, because I assume you'd have to get the underlying rights to the novel again, because it's a telling of that story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that Tashin, the publisher Tashin, was, I know they were speaking to Michelle Sadu about putting it out, but oh. I don't know whatever happened with it. But, but Tashin um, was in talks about Tashin putting out that there. book. Tashin was there. They were in Michelle Sadu's office. They were talking about it, and oh. they were, you know, made their pitch. Um, but the, you know, the film came out two years ago in U.S. theaters. Yeah. And now next month, uh, March 2016, it's going to finally hit French theaters. Oh. So maybe... They were waiting for that to happen before they started doing anything with the book. You know, my, my fingers are crossed. Maybe that was always part of the goal. You know, I don't know. But dude, um, if that kind of book comes out, so Joseph I, Gervaisi is the one who asked about the book. But yeah, way. it's true, Joseph. So, he's our Joseph. Joseph. Yeah, he's he's great. Uh, I also got to well. We're going to end later with you telling me a story about Sean Porter. Sean Porter. But Sean also asked a question, which is funny because this was my next question anyway. But I was like, oh, while they're talking, I'll see if anyone asked any questions, any follow-up questions. And Sean asked. He also sent me a video, which I'm not watching right now. But he said, this was my funny experience. This might be the story you're going to tell me. Oh. From Tiff. He sent me a video of a Q&A. Oh, Q&A. Okay, yeah. right. Yes. Anyway, the question he asked, which is the same as mine, is um, uh, do you think that had you not reunited uh, Jodo and Sadu for the doc uh, that the Dance of Reality would have been made? And if not, how does it feel to be responsible for spawning the first new Jodo movie in 23 years? That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, I do think that uh, because we reunited them, the film happened. Um, it feels that watching it, it, it really felt is, that way, but yeah. I wasn't sure if that was just part of the storytelling or if that was really. No, how he's it he's even you know Jodo's even said that at a at a film festival once he was doing a panel with with uh, uh, with Refn um, with Nicholas oh, Winding Refn. Yes, 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 yes. And somebody said somebody from the audience was like, oh, you know, what inspired you to make um, to make films again? Right. And he pointed at me in the audience. And he goes, Pavish, Pavish <laughs> inspired oh me. God. I was like. And like, and Dude, and so wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. I think Just Reffin's so I understand exactly Josh, what you're, you're saying so, to you're me. You're so loud right now. I'm sorry. Joe Dorowski pointed at you and yelled your name? Yeah. It's on, I think it's on YouTube. I gotta and, find and, was, yeah. and was your immediate response to poop yourself or get a boner? Or did you light yourself on fire and then it, just it, burn it, to death? It, is it weird if I said it was simultaneous? <laughs> if you had done all three of those things at once, I would have been like... Is that called a German, a German alarm clock? <laughs> That would be the German, German alarm. alarm. That clock. would be the German alarm clock. That's yeah. what Alejandro Jodorowsky calls you out. You set yourself on fire while pooping. But I, but I'll tell you that the whole thing with him and Sadu. You know, when I the very first day that I met Jodo, sure, that very first meeting in his apartment, he goes, "Okay, you know, it sounds great. You know, it sounds like an interesting movie." He said, "But there's a problem." And I said, "Oh, okay. What's the problem?" He said, "Well, the artwork is owned by Michelle Sadu." And I said, okay, great. Well, I'll just, you know, just give me Michelle Sadu's number and I'll, I'll go Talk meet with him. him. He goes, no, no, there's a problem. Michelle Sadu hates me. Oh, no. I said, yeah. I said, what do you mean he hates wow. you? He goes, well, you know, we worked on Dune for so many years and Michelle Sadu spent, you know, basically estimated of $2 million of his own money and the movie collapsed. So I yeah. think that he resents me. Mm. I think he thinks that I'm not a great director and not a great artist and I caused him all this pain. I was like, oh my God. So then I went back to Switzerland and I was like, I gotta find Michelle Sadu. I gotta find him. 
So I, you know, located him, found his office, set another appointment, got back on the train. Three hours. You know, three hours back, um, <laughs> like a week later or something like that, to go meet with Michelle Sadu. And I walk into his office, and as soon as you walk into the waiting area, there was an original piece of Dune artwork up on the wall. Wow. The Chris Foss. Yeah. And I was like, I said, that's interesting. And then they led me into this conference room where I was going to meet with Michelle, and there was another piece of original Dune artwork. And there was this original hand-drawn uh, Holy Mountain poster by Jodorowsky, like, to Michelle, you know, thank you, blah, 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 oh blah. Oh, my God. And I was like, wow. this is interesting. I was like, for if Michelle Sadu really hates Jodorowsky, why is he going to yeah, Why things, is he yeah. being reminded of this, quote-unquote, horrible experience every day? So Michelle Sadu came out and we were talking and he was like, oh, he's like, this sounds like a great idea. It's been, you know, 40 years. The story should be told. Um, he said, the artwork is yours. I'll be your co-producer. I'll, you know, do whatever I can do to help you. He said, but there's a problem. And I said, what's the problem? He said, Alejandro hates me. Oh, no. And I said, what do you mean Alejandro hates you? And he goes, well, I produced, you know, I was his producer and the project failed. And he must think that I didn't fight hard enough for him. He must think that I'm not a supporter of his, and he must think that I'm not a good enough producer. And I was like, no, 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 Alejandro, he misses you, he loved you, he wants to see you, you know, he doesn't say anything bad about you. So then I went back to Jodo's apartment, and, I, and Jodo was like a little bit nervous, like, how, what? how did it go? And I said, oh, it was great. I said, Michelle Sadu is completely into it, he's going to give us the artwork. Uh, I said, and, and, you know, he does not hate you, he wants to see you. And Jodo was like, you know, shocked. So, then we came back, we did the three weeks of our first interviews, and then at the very end, it was my, uh, my sound recordist, um, my friend Damon Cook, who came up with this idea of, you know, we should, we should reunite then. Yeah. And, you know, let's, yeah. let's get it on tape. And I was like, yeah. okay, great, let's, let's do that. So we needed to find a neutral location. You know, we didn't want to do it at Joda's house, didn't mm -hmm. want to do it at Michelle's office. We sure. just chose this park. Sure. Um, and, you know, they came and they, you know, they met there and they embraced each other right away and we filmed this whole sequence. Um, which didn't even make it into the film. It's like, it's like an extra feature on the DVD, but yeah. it just didn't really fit in the film. And they reminisced about everything and how great it was and blah, blah, blah. And then when we were done filming, they agreed, like, oh, yeah, we'll see each other for lunch. We'll have lunch in a couple of weeks. And who knew if that was going to happen? And then a couple of weeks later, apparently they went out for lunch, and Michelle Sadu said, so, Alejandro, what are, you, what are you working on now? And Alejandro said, well, I have you know, this book called The Dance of Reality, and it's about my life, you know, my childhood growing up in, in, in Chile, and, and that's the film I would, like, I would like to make. And Michelle said, fantastic, I'll give you a million euros, I'll be your producer, we'll go make the movie together. And that's when and that was it, you know. And then, oh my gosh. And that was really it. That is so um, amazing. I want to spike the microphone right the now on the floor. Best thing ever. And, yeah. and, and it's really, I think it's, it's probably my favorite of all of his movies. Like, it's just so beautiful and so personal mm -hmm. and so... Uh, incredible, and then we got to premiere together because mm. like, we went to Cannes and they went to right. Cannes. And I remember when that when that happened. I thought that was so amazing. It was incredible. That came out at the same time, and yeah. it was the year of 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 Jodorowsky. Yeah, I mean, it was Dance of Reality at yeah. Cannes. There was Dance of Reality. There was Jodorowsky's Dune, and then um, his Brontus. You know, Brontus is his son. Yeah, yeah. who's in the documentary. And his daughter was in Blue is the Warmest Color. Which oh wait a minute! Before. Which one's his daughter in that movie? His daughter is she's the she's the <coughs> friend. So there's the two main girls. Yeah, and then there's the friend who the main girl kisses. Uh -huh. They like sit, like they go to school together and they're kind of like sitting behind the school once. And you it's didn't like her first. Kiss. You didn't know this? Yeah, her name yeah. is uh, Alma Alma yeah. Jodorowsky. Yeah. And Michelle Sadu's great or Michelle Sadu's grandniece is Leah Sadu. 
Oh, is one of the main the main the yeah. yeah. Wow, yeah, that's and, amazing. And then you also so that's three films all about all having something to do with Jodorowsky. And then there was also Only God Forgives, which premiered which is, that year. Right. And that was dedicated to Jodorowsky. Yeah. So it was really the year of Jodorowsky, <coughs> four fucking movies. That's so cool. Unbelievable. It was really, an, like, it was just perfect kismet. Everything came together. It was just amazing. Oh, my gosh. That's my really great. So, uh, okay. I think I want to ask a little bit more about filming and then ask a, a little bit about reception. Mm-hmm. When you're filming it, was there anyone you wished you could have talked to that did not work out? Was there anything that you didn't get to cover or anyone that you wish could have been in the movie or was, you know, what, what, what did you feel like you didn't get quite get to? I mean, I, I would, we would have loved of course to have had, um, Mobius. Yeah. Right. Um, sure. That would have been, you know, that was always, I always thought that'd be the easiest yeah. one out of them all. Um, but he was very sick when we started shooting and yeah. it and just he passed didn't away happen. Shortly and then he passed away when we were in the middle of, you know, of our two and a half years of production. Um, wow. So and I always felt bad. I always felt like, oh, you know, is, is the movie going to suffer without him? Is that going to be weird? Sure. But no one's ever made a comment like, oh, it's lacking him because I think that he really is in the film. Like so much of his artwork is in there, and he's yeah. mentioned so many times that I think he really, I think he's in the movie. Like I really yeah. believe that he's that he's a part of it. Um, Moebius. What Moebius? <laughs> so good. But that's really the only one that you know. Um, like I, I didn't want to interview. You know David Lynch, or anything yeah. like that. it would just complicate things too much. That's and, my favorite you know. scene in the movie when when Joe Dorowski talks about how he sees Dune. He's like, and it's terrible movie. It's so, it's so good. good. Yeah, oh, no, that was man. great. Genius. So watching the film as a fan, mm-hmm. I'm just like stoked. Like I'm just like pumped. Yeah, it's. I mean, I I think I described it as inspiring even just for the creative life like all the you know and and the things that come after um has anyone i I guess one of the things you could say for folks who are not jodorowsky fans you don't really hear from the folks who said no like there's no one who in involved like i guess some people uh, have a feeling of well maybe it there were another another side which let me be a little honest about myself. I kind of don't give a fuck about the other side. <laughs> but I, was there some concern on your part? Did you that, try like to do that? Was there any sort of? But did anyone come out and say, "Well, that's not the whole story"? I, mean, I, I quote like, unquote the whole story. I feel like there are there have been reviews that have you know not any prominent reviews, but sure. like you know little things where people are like, "Oh, you know, people that take this movie at face value." I saw it on Twitter the other day. Somebody was like, "Ah, people that, that take that movie at face at face value." Uh, infuriate me because really? uh, it would have been of course it would have been a disaster but it's like to me the movie is really not about you know, the documentary is really not about oh this how great this movie would have been like who right. gives a shit like I yeah. don't know if I would have liked his version of it could have been fucking could have been fucking awful yeah but it's what went behind it it's about what what's the documentary really about it's yeah. not about oh Dune would have been great it's about inspiration it's about yeah. creativity it's about it's spiritual about, warrior it's about spiritual warriors it's about yeah. gathering your army and going forth and giving them the freedom to create things and everybody doing things together and that's what it's really about so and, and people me, that want to hear from the studio head that said no like who gives a shit yeah. like, of course they said no like <laughs> I'm, like we set it up like you see a clip of of fondo and liz you see a clip of 
Holy Mountain, you see uh, El Topo. Right. Of course this guy, when he goes to Hollywood, they're not right. going to give him any money. This is 1975, 1976. Right. Nobody believed in, in science fiction movies. Yeah. There was no Star Wars. They all thought Star Wars was going to be a fucking disaster. Like right. the studio fucking hated George Lucas. They were like, yeah. this is the biggest piece of shit ever. Until the day, until the night it opened, they were like, this is the biggest piece of garbage ever. We're going to lose our fucking shirts and the sure. studio's going to go down. Sure. So you have... That even, craziness, even, but with Jodorowsky, of course they're going to say no. Right. And for anyone to say that that's not in the movie is just not watching closely enough. It's yeah. Like, My response to it, too, like watching the film, was that and maybe I missed it, but I don't, I can't, I don't, it doesn't seem to me like there's another place where you see so much about him. So, like, yes, it's about uh, Jodorowsky's Dune, but it's also just about, you see so much of him and who right. he is yeah. and his creative process than I've ever seen anywhere else. Right. I, everything, it, it, it also felt like, I mean, I'm sure to some extent he's always kind of performing a little bit. Like he's a little bit of like, you know, oh, yeah. whatever. He's the ultimate performer. But yeah. you still see something of him more than I'd ever, like I've read some interviews and, mm-hmm. and, and, and I felt like he revealed a little bit more of who he is. I, I think that we also, you know, we also very purposefully you know my my cinematographer is a guy named dave cavallo and he and i really um spent a lot of time looking at other movies and looking at things trying to figure out how do we want to shoot this mm, sure. you look at all these jodorowsky interviews and they always treat him like a like a madman yeah yeah they, they light him harshly from one side yeah he's backlighted he looks backlit. like a crazy person yeah but it's like no it's like let's you know he's fascinating and weird wild enough you know with his words let's just treat him like, like a professor let's yeah. treat him like a knowledgeable gentleman who deserves some respect and i think yeah. that kind of i think just putting him in that light um was did a lot you yeah. know and, yeah. I, and sometimes people are like oh it's the documentary is too normal it's not jodorowsky but it's like i'm not jodorowsky so i'm not no. gonna make a jodorowsky <laughs> movie no yeah he no. is the guy well, just this, watch him story... and don't worry about the crazy sideways camera angles yeah. that you're looking for like, right it's not what our that's not about. what you do yeah. yeah it's like well and the story itself is just so good it doesn't right. really you it doesn't mean need like that type yeah. of augmentation there right well, yeah. let's, 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 let's just go on and on about how much we love your movie but let's let's but i did i did want to say like so okay so you get it two and a half years you get it done what was the process like it's out what was the reception did did you feel like it played a lot of places how is it how, how did it feel because it you know did this you is now your this is it? actually now your second movie right, right? which like but, but first real one you know yeah first yeah that's what i was gonna say like this is this is your second thing you've ever finished and your first thing that's actually out there how right. was that experience for you as a filmmaker I, I mean it was insane i mean to have your this little tiny movie um it really was little and tiny um premiere at Cannes. I mean, that, that was That's the world insane. premiere. And that was like, it was the first movie I ever saw at Cannes. I'd never been there before and I didn't have a chance wow. to see anything else beforehand. So to have your own movie be the first thing you ever see there is like, that is and you don't know how it's going to play. Like we didn't know that it was so funny. We didn't yeah. know that it was so inspirational. We didn't know how anybody was going to take to it. And during the movie, the, the audience went nuts. I mean, they, they broke out into applause four times. Because he would get to the end of a story, like he would get Dali, he would get Orson Welles, he would get Pink Floyd. Four different times the audience just spontaneous applause. And I'd never seen such a thing. It was, I mean, that uh, I responded that way as well. Like, and the audience I saw it with was like, really jazzed. Oh, so you saw it in the theater? You yeah. saw it? Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. We oh. both did. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. When did we see it? What was it? What we was, saw it like the week that it came out. 
didn't we? That it, we saw it at the Ritz for sure, and we but saw. But was it, it part of the Philly Film Fest, or was it? No, it wasn't connected no, to anything. No. Okay. Yeah, we saw it right when it, it was nationwide release. Yo, I bought the fucking poster before I could see the movie. <laughs> by the way, wow. the Mondo because I went to Fantastic. Oh, Fest. you bought the Mondo poster. I bought oh. the fucking Mondo poster, and I was like is this for the movie that doesn't exist? And they're like, well, it's for the documentary about the movie that doesn't exist. I'm like, they're making a documentary right. about that? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, well, it's a cool poster. It's not that expensive. Yeah, I'll get it, you know, whatever. And then I remember when I realized that the movie was coming out, I'm like, man, I hope I like this fucking movie because this poster is like <laughs> sick, you know? So um, I, I, I remember saying like, well, if I don't like the documentary, I'll just tell people it's for... Right. You, 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 you just fold over the credits at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, it's got a smaller frame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a huge... I haven't gotten it up yet because it's actually bigger than their standard size or whatever. Wow. No one wants to hear about that. But the point is <laughs> is that um, it, I heard about the movie for... There was a lot of... I don't know if this was... There was a lot of build-up. If you worked on this, but there was a lot of build-up right. to it. Was that was that intentional? Was, was that, that like by a design? I, I think it kind of just happened naturally. I think mm. we, you know, maybe it was a misguided idea, but we put out this sort of press release when we first started, yeah. not knowing it was going to take us, you know, two and a half, three years yeah. to make the movie. Sure. Um, so probably in retrospect, I probably would not have um, done the press release. Would not have done the press release, but it got everyone talking. Um, sure. And it got everyone excited. You know, the but whole it, but I think movie. had we put the press release out right before it came out, it would have been, you know, maybe the same. So I don't know. Yeah, the but, generation of the whole movie seems very natural. It seems like it just right. kind of fell together. It was really meant to be. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It really was. Man. Yeah. Um, and then. Uh, that sort of ends. I mean, we talked about this a little bit off the air, but this sort of starts to wrap. At some point, that's over for you. I mean, I'm sure there's maybe things in the future, but for the most part, that's over. How do you decide what to do next? Like, where do you go from here? I don't, you know, it, and that was really the hard thing. It was like, I was like, what am I going to make? What am I going to make next? Because I, yeah. I really needed, I really think that the next film needs to be something that would make Jodorowsky proud. Right. Oh, you know that's I mean? interesting. Because he yeah. really he gave me this he gave me this amazing gift of yeah. the story. Right. Like he could have right. said, "No, get out of here, kid." Yeah, who are you? Yeah, or he could have gotten you know a real filmmaker to come yeah. in and tell them. <laughs> I mean, he could have done anything. He he literally could have said, "That's a good idea. That's a good idea, boy. See get out of here. Yeah. Refin, please come over and make my movie." You know? I mean, who knows? Of course, and of course he would come over right away. I yeah. do. I do love Refin. Yeah, I love. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> you know? Sure. Maybe I can get him on your podcast next week. God, no, don't, don't even fucking don't <laughs> Dude, make fucking happen? jokes you can't follow up on. <laughs> All right, don't fuck with. Yeah, us. Yeah, you're gonna here. read like man. Two gentlemen set themselves on fire after again. Well, he's got a new movie coming out. He's got to do press for it. So why not your podcast? <sighs> because we're, we're because we're. Fucking I got him. I mean, I just it was the easiest thing. In the world. He was in the middle of all of his crazy press for Drive. Yeah, yeah. and he gave us. Um, we emailed him and he uh, came back and he's like, oh, f for my friend Jodorowsky, of course I'll talk about him. And he, and, he, and, he, and he told his press people, he's like, fit me in. These guys need an hour. He's fit me in to yo, their schedule yo, and did it. It just occurred to me, I wanted to ask you about this too. Mm -hmm. uh, were you at all there when Kanye West met Jodorowsky? I was not, but, oh I, heard, but I heard all about it. When I saw that picture, I thought... That this was a weird. The, the world is a weird Jones. fucking place. <laughs> Spike Jones was there too. What? I, but, so wait a minute. You but let's clarify. Spike Jones actually makes sense for me. Like that's right. a world. Right. I, like it's like a cool thing, but it's a world I understand. Right. The part where Kanye West is like, "Yo, Jodorowsky," I'm like, yeah, "Really, man?" But, but, right. but Kanye West loves Jodorowsky. Like, that his, makes me his, so. He's quoted on. He's quoted on that book on the jacket of yeah. the last yeah. book. That I know. I know. His, his, I know. One of his tours was all based on the Holy Mountain. Like, he fuck, I didn't know that. I did not know that. He's the real fan. Now he I, really now I want to make fun of people I know who like Kanye who don't 
know like about Yudorowsky. I want to be like, oh, you fucking poser. I don't even <laughs> like. I don't even like Kanye, and I know that. That's that's one of the things. I that's that's kind of why I find one of the many reasons I find Kanye West fascinating. It's like, sure. hey, he loves Jodorowsky. Anyone that likes Jodorowsky can't be all that bad. Right, right. But I also right. like him because he's crazy. And everybody's like, oh, he's he sucks. He's this. I'm like, what? I'm like, what? You want somebody boring to be a no, so like, I want the craziest motherfucker in the world. No, that's the guy tr- keeps pulling his album and changing it and names his kid Northwest and does all this fucked up, dumb stream of consciousness Twitter shit. Like, that's awesome. No, I actually, I, I, I was having know? this conversation today, and this is, I think Josh could agree with me on this. I actually wish I enjoyed him as an MC more right. because yeah. I love, I actually love crazy ass weird Kanye. Right. It's just, <laughs> he doesn't actually have the MC skills back. I think as a producer, he's still got it. You know, there's tracks on the new one that I think are produced well. But like, since College Dropout or whatever the first one John was, yeah. he's never actually been good on the mic. Like, his the best Kanye West records are Talib Kweli and Common Records. Like, those are the best <laughs> Kanye West records for me. So like, it, but if he had the rhyme skills right. and he was this crazy, I'd be like, Fuck right, and I'm with Kanye, man. Fuck <laughs> right. you. Like, right. I would love that. I would love that, but I I can't pretend yeah. I like something I don't like. Right. Uh, though again, some of his production, even on the records where I feel like he's given up on rapping, and he's just you know, there's still production that I'm like, oh, this beat though is real good. I just wish this had a little more. I just wish <laughs> right. this was a guest spot for somebody else, right. you know, or something. Whatever. Anyway. Um, <laughs> But he's a big Jodo fan, so go figure. Yeah, no, it's awesome. So crazy. Weird. So I wanted to, before we wrapped up, because... But, uh, but Jodo does not know why he met Kanye. He doesn't even know. No, because afterwards he, he was telling me all about it. He's like, I don't know why he wanted to meet me. I have no idea. He's like, he didn't know who Kanye West was. He was like, he didn't of know Of course who, he, he did. Like, he's like, Kim Kardashian? Who the fuck? He doesn't know any of this shit. Once you get to... I just, feel like, I just feel like Yodorowsky doesn't, doesn't have to know who Kanye is. Like, exactly. we have to know. Exactly. We can't help it. But once you get to that level, and I, and I actually wouldn't be surprised if Kanye West was like, it's fine. He doesn't know me. It's fine. Right. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I think he understands it. Yeah, exactly. And he's not, you know, he's, it's not like uh, Kubrick, who he wants us all to know he's better than Kubrick. He keeps making that point. On all yeah. things. I'm smarter than Kubrick. Exactly. I'm like, all right, whatever you need to say. <laughs> Good, man. For you. Uh, <laughs> Good for um, you. Fue tremenda. I wanted to make something sacred. Una película que diera las alucinaciones de LSD. Si tomara LSD to change the young mind of all the world. Michel Seduc said to me, I want to make a new picture with you. What do you want to do? I say, Dune. And he said, yes. C'était le plus beau livre de science-fiction. Si on la Bible de la science-fiction. Succès d'édition mondiale. I didn't read Dune, but I have a friend who said me it was fantastic. 3,000 drawings. I shoot the picture, point of view, movement of the camera, dialogue. Designing the spaceships, the clothes, the whole look of his world. The castle. Open the mouth. Uh, the spaceship came in the tongue. His vision was so huge, so beyond what anybody else was doing at that time. Things that George Lucas wasn't even going to try with Star Wars. It's enormous. Part of Hollow's genius was finding the right people. David Carradine, Mick Jagger, Dali as the mad emperor of the galaxy. Dali, they can I have a burning giraffe? All right, all right, we'll have burning giraffe. Or somewhere else. Yeah, I say, I don't want to do it. I say, if you do the picture, I will hire the chef of the restaurant and you will eat as here every day. And I say, I do it. Giger nunca había hecho películas. I say to Giger, I need you as you are. Alejandro completely motivated you. It was wonderful. We will change the world. 
people did not do this film because they were afraid of his imagination. This is a movie that has its fingerprints all over so many other movies. Blade Runner, William Gibson, Matrix. Giger, he make the monster of Alien. And Hollywood started... I wanted to ask you about our boy Sean Porter and get yes. that on the show because you said you had a funny story and he's the only person who asked a question and he sent me some video and I don't Behind know what it Joseph is. Behind Joseph Gervaisi. Well, he, he, yeah. he must... Oh, he, Joseph too. He must have sent you the, the thing from TIFF. So the yeah. film, before the film came out, in theaters in the U.S. I went to the Toronto International yeah. Film Festival and uh, did a couple screenings there and I was, you know, I did the Q&A stuff after them. Sure. And there was one, um, there was one uh, screening where, you know, the movie was over and then everyone's, you know, applauding or whatever and then I'm about to get up to, um, to go do the Q&A. Sure. And this guy who's, who's sitting behind me says, he goes, taps my shoulder, he goes, oh, he goes, you directed this? And I said, yeah. And he goes, oh, he goes, you know, nice to meet you. Um, you know, I, my name is Sean. And he had taken a bus. He lives in Philadelphia? Yeah. yeah. So he took a bus from Philadelphia to all the way to Toronto just to see the documentary. Holy shit. Yeah. So he was, and he was like, he goes, thank God the movie is good. Because if I had come all the way from Philadelphia to Toronto, you know, for a day just to see this movie, I would have punched you in the back of the head. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was like, well, I'm so glad. <laughs> So I was like, oh, I'm so glad that you liked it because I didn't want to get punched in the back of the head. So then I got up and I you know, did this Q&A and I was like, well, I want to dedicate this, this screening to this guy who came, you know, took a 20-hour bus ride or whatever it was from Philadelphia to Toronto. And then he told me this story. Yeah, then I met him, you know, after the Q&A. We were talking for a little bit and he told me a story where he had met, I hope I get this right, he had met Jodorowsky. He told me he'd met him before, yeah. And wow. Jodorowsky wanted to, because Sean is involved in... Uh, whole lot of weird shit apparently he, he yeah so he's a guy who i met at exhume stuff so we both like horror he's a philly guy whatever and i know that he knew some people i know from hardcore but i i don't get a sense of how involved in that scene he is but then so one time he commented on something i posted and a young lady who i'm friends with who is involved in the sort of fetish model body modification scene was like you know sean and i'm like yeah, how do you know Sean? Oh, he's huge in that. His blog is so influential. And, I, and I'm like, uh, the blog where he pauses the weird gross shit? She's like, <laughs> yeah, that blog is like super popular. I'm like, oh, I just saw he had it. And I went to it and was like, this is nothing I'm interested Next. in. So I just didn't like check it out. And she's like, no, he's huge. He's very, uh, he's kind of got like a reputation. He's like pretty well known. And I'm like, the guy I just met, he's just a nice guy. Yeah, like, literally, nice I met guy him as who a did nice not punch guy. me in the back of the head. Yeah, <laughs> his wife is very nice. He just got married. His wife is very mm. nice. I just know them from Exhum stuff, and I know like when we became friends on Facebook, I saw like we have friends in bands or related to bands that in common. So I'm like, oh, he must know about hardcore somewhat. Yeah. But I don't know much about him other than he works at a bar that sounds very interesting. All I can say is that I, I God, I really hope I get this right. Yeah, um, that I, I believe he told me that he took either took Jodorowsky or tried to take him um, to see, because Jodo was interested in seeing a live uh, castration. Oh my God. Of a, of a, of a human man. <laughs> Holy yeah. fuck, yeah. dude. So I don't know if he actually got Jodo to see it or if he tried and failed. Um, but yeah, that's the stuff that Sean is into. That just begs more questions. I, I mean, that's the next documentary is the Sean Porter. Good Lord. Yo. Straight and then, up, and then, straight Sean, up, Sean, can we do a documentary about you? Because totally. you are the most interesting dude I know. But then, <laughs> then Sean, you know, emailed me or something, uh, you know, when the film was out in theaters, and he said he was going to see it for like the third or the fourth time. Sure. 
And I was like, I was like, really? You're gonna see for the third or fourth time? I was like, tell me what theater you're gonna see because I'm gonna buy you your tickets and just send you the download link so you can yeah, print yeah, out the yeah, tickets. Yeah, I was yeah. like, you deserve, you deserve a free screening. Yeah, it's like true. fucking amazing. That's true. So he's like, yeah, he's like, I'm gonna go Tuesday at nine o'clock at this theater. I was like, great, yeah. two tickets, there you go, knock yourself out. Yeah. Totally awesome for not punching me in the back of the head. No, that's amazing. great. I love that he said that. It's like, yeah. and he he is the kind of guy that would be like, oh, that's coming out. I guess I got to go. Yeah. He took a fucking bus from, from Philadelphia, Philadelphia to, to Toronto. Toronto to another country. He took a bus to another With country. With a passport. He had a passport yeah. in his hand. He yeah. had to have a passport to get through the border yeah. to go see your movie. Yeah. That's amazing. Yo, for real, like I thought I have friends. I, you know, I have friends in Toronto who said we could stay with them. I have a friend who works for the film fest. Who was like, oh, if you ever want to come, you know, I, I don't think he could hook us up, but he could get us like a discount. I had just met uh, I was the uh, this past f- Toronto Film Fest. Just before that, a friend of mine did this horror thing, and the guys who made uh, He Never Died were there, and oh, they were oh, like, "Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I love that movie. I want to see. It. I mean, like, it's great. So those Dying dudes, those it. dudes are Philly dudes. Uh, they're not originally. They're actually Jersey right. Shore dudes, but they lived in Philly for a while, and they literally they moved. They went to Toronto to make that movie, and were like. Oh, Toronto's cool, and they just moved there. So now they wow. live in Toronto. They're the nicest guys, and uh, they were. They said to me and Josh, like, "Are you guys coming to TIFF? Because you could crash with us if you want." Wow. And I was like, "So." And then I was me and my wife. I'm like, "We're gonna go. We're gonna go to TIFF." And then I was, and then we both realized. A, she realized she doesn't even have a motherfucking passport. Whoa. Doesn't even have one. And mine, literally, the day that we had this conversation, <laughs> it had expired the day before. Wow. And I was like, "I guess we're not going to I'm TIFF. I'm never gonna meet Henry Rollins. Yeah, it was never. <laughs> I know. Well, he. I might get. To meet him sometime because they they what doesn't matter. Point is, <laughs> I'm glad you told us that story about Sean. That's really great. <laughs> Very nice guy. So, um, I think that's. I mean, I want us to honor. We've been talking for a while, so I right. want to honor the time. But um, now is a section where we talk about things we're excited about. Now, that's either things personally for you you want to hype up, or things down the line, or you know about a project that's you want coming to along about. that you're. It's just an on. opportunity to plug yourself or someone you care about. Right. Do you what? have anything? Not at the moment. We have been working on something for the past year, but it's kind of still in its formation stages to a lot of extent. Like, you know, I take years and years to make no, yeah. all my projects. So, it's fine. That's you know. fine. That's what makes them good, though. That's what makes hopefully, them good. Hopefully it'll I, be good. Hopefully we'll finish it and it'll be good, but you, know, you never know. Well, so on the, uh, on the last episode, we mentioned this, but, uh, you know, just again, American Nightmare and Burn. Although, is yeah. it sold out? They're both sold out. Both nights are sold out, as oh, far as I know. So I can't really It's American Nightmare, that. Burn, Red Death on that second night. Well... Tickets are up for X-Fest. We mentioned that as yeah. well. Please. Also, Red Death are playing with Angel Dust at the Philomoca. Yes, that's what I was That's coming say. up. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, Eric asked us about that show. We're like, yeah, it's going to be good. And uh, I'm not going to be there. Are you going to be able to go? That's a good full circle with the rotten seal and a, and a hefty trash bag. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Angel. That, that, it, Angel is a weird, it is a weird name for a band. I don't know why their band is named Angel Dust. But uh, okay, so... Uh, we, I also I don't know how much promotion it needs, but I'm hoping people are going to get tickets to the John Carpenter Philly show. Yeah, at the Keswick because I think John Carpenter is going to be playing all the soundtracks at the Keswick Theater. John Carpenter is oh doing God. a full tour yeah. of this now, and the New York dates sold out literally in like seconds. It yeah. was oh like it was like seconds. It was sold out. Yeah. But the the I think part of that though is that they announced the New York date. They hadn't announced any other dates. So people were like, this is their only chance. And then after the show sold out, weeks later, they were like, oh, actually, he's playing all these other places, too. <laughs> so, you know, Philly, I think it's Philly, D.C., Austin, Chicago, and some West Coast stuff as well. Mm-hmm. But it's wow. still not a lot. I think it's still only maybe like eight 
dates yeah. total, 10 dates total. It's so, pretty crazy, man. You know, John Carpenter is doing it. I know. Um, Do you I, remember when he was supposed to get that award at uh, the film fest? And he and just smoked pot at he, home yeah. over Skype instead. <laughs> he was supposed he to get He got a award. lifetime achievement award from the Philadelphia Film Fest, and he just Skyped in and just, like, smoked. Yeah, because he didn't want to miss the Lakers and, or something. And, yeah, he, like, was watching basketball while they were interviewing him over Skype. <laughs> That's just amazing. taking bong hits and doing and, his thing. And then we had to watch the fucking Ward, which is, like, the worst piece of shit. Maybe. Hey, 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 hey. What if we get a chance to meet John Carpenter? Don't start talking shit. Right. I celebrate <laughs> his entire catalog. <laughs> come on, man. I'm not trying to shit on a John JC, Carpenter what's train. Up, dog? I, I love you, man. my job. Man, come on. Come on. Um, hey. Thank you for being on the show. Oh my God, so, thank you for dude. thank you for again coming all the way from Philadelphia to to New York. We are so, so happy much. to be here. To oh, another thing that I'm stoked on. One thing. Yeah, do it. Stone Roses announced that they're going to be playing in, in the United States. I could not possibly care about that. Oh my God, dude, they're one of my favorite bands of all time. Stone Roses. The Stone Roses are one of the greatest bands of all time. You have some weird. You things. are out of your goddamn mind. That movie, that band rules. <laughs> That's what <laughs> you the movie, that movie. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Okay. Uh, anyway. Frank. Yeah. So thanks for being on. Uh, so a Yodorowsky's Dune. It's available on Blu-ray. It is. Who right. would it? I don't even know. Sony Pictures Classics. Sony Pictures Classics. Please. If you haven't seen it yet, you have I mean, to see. Hopefully, it. you've watched. If well, you listen to this I podcast, I doubt that you'd listen to this episode if you haven't seen it. That's fair, but some people might be listening because they are interested with the New York Hardcore documentary. Oh, right, okay. Uh, but we are. I, it sounds like it's unclear if people can still get a copy of the New York Hardcore documentary. I don't know. I don't. All right. We'll keep your eyes. Maybe I on think. eBay and stuff. I think. I think really we will into the future have a conversation about trying to at least screen it. Yeah. But I understand. Awesome. I just think it's so cool. It'd be totally fun. It's so fun. I love that movie. <laughs> it's again, like you said, because of the characters. I mean, I get that. Like right. a lot of people might be like, "Oh, I don't care about District Nine. You want to see right. the District Nine interview, even if you think Behind Red Tape is a shitty song. You need to see the interview because I mean, it's so but, good. But that's kind of the that's kind of what I try with both films. You know? Yeah. It's like I, I don't want you to have to like the music to right. like NYHC, and I don't want you to have to like either Jodorowsky or Dune to like Jodorowsky's Dune. I think that these characters, the, you will fall in love with, with these right. District 9, with Jodorowsky, you know, by watching these things. How could you not fall in love with Izak? Yeah. Mean, yeah. Like, no. no, I actually, I had a, fr- I had a fr- amazing I had a fr- hat. Come on. <laughs> our friend, our friend, Justin Harlan, who's a fan of our podcast, he did a feature for Synapse where I had him watch a bunch of Jodorowsky movies and then watch your documentary. And he said it was really funny because he really, to some extent, it sounded like he wished he had watched a documentary first just so he could have fallen a little bit in love with right. Jodorowsky before he watched the movies. But even still, it was helpful for him to think like, oh, because to see who he is behind, what are some of the craziest movies right. you could ever yeah. see? Like, it, I think it... To it, this it, day. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, and I, I think... Um, anyways, I really appreciate you being on the show. My God, yeah. thank We you both guys. appreciate like you so much talking you. to us. It's uh, my two favorite topics, NYHC and then yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, man. So thank you t- for listening. Remember to rate, review, subscribe. Again, thank you to Grace for allowing us passage in her apartment. Thank you, Grace. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, hopefully you'll come back and see us again sometime. Yeah, maybe after the next movie comes out, you'll you'll sit down and with us. See in what, five to ten years? Yeah, five totally. to ten years. We'll yeah. talk about it then. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Smoke bomb.